0: To episode 49 of Adult Music, the podcast with music for the mature mind. Good evening, Mike. Good evening, Russ. How are things? I smell something.
1: What is that? In the air. Oh. It's the (laughs) Is it is it turning you on? (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Oh, yeah. It's And, uh, and why would that be? It's the Spanish Fly. Yeah, that's our episode tonight. Spanish Fly. That's right. We've got uh, music to seduce the ladies. Yeah, we've got a program of music. uh,
0: Well, it's not all directly or originating in Spain, but uh, at least indirectly, it all flows from. uh, Yeah, I should mention it's all Spanish
1: music too, or Hispanic at least. Hispanic, yes. Yeah. As
0: the culture and sounds of Spain spread around the globe and just uh, produced all these wonderful kinds of music.
1: Yeah, and I have to say, I've been sitting on as far as the classical end goes. I've been sitting on two of these albums for months now. They, we probably really shouldn't be doing these at this point because they're from the, the first half of last year, twenty twenty one. But I wanted to get them in, and uh, okay. I should have just done them when they came out. I think this year, uh, after we do our um, anniversary episode, we're gonna, you know, come back to you know the previous three or four months or so, right, and try to keep it with that.
0: Well, on my jazz list uh i've got a fresh one that uh Ooh. you well it's supposed to be available but i uh, you, you can't uh, really listen to it anywhere yet but i'll talk more about that because i got a way you can listen to it for only our listeners but uh excellent we'll see how long that uh, lasts um but yeah one's fresh off the
1: presses so. okay so it's, i don't know so, it's good well oh we got so it's all it's all spanish and uh Hmm. Does Spanish fly have a smell to it? Is that why you did that? No. I don't know. I didn't no reason, really. <laughs> just <laughs> something were, to get what started. What were you sniffing yeah. in the air there? I'm, I'm horrified to think. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Yeah, just I smelled the uh, the excitement oh, of, the excitement? Uh, of uh, Spanish and Latin music in the air. That's oh, yeah. Right. yeah. It does. It gets sweaty in there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> before we uh, get going uh, into our Spanish selections, I want to remind listeners... In the episode description, we've got links to uh, Spotify and Apple Music for almost all of the music uh, we'll discuss. Uh, Whenever we have something that's not available on streaming, I'll put up the link uh, to the record company or artist's site so that you can uh, check it out. Uh, Maybe get some samples and order it if you want. Uh, And then also on the description top, there's a link to the full episode playlist. That's all the music in one neat Place on Deezer, our preferred streaming platform. And you can also listen to the podcast on Deezer if you'd like. Uh, Just look us up under Adult Music Podcast. There's a playlist for every episode, including the current one. And whatever app you're on, checking us out or platform, if you don't see the full description with the links uh, to the music, hop on over to our host, Podbean, uh, where you can follow all the links. with one click. If you enjoy the podcast, please do follow or subscribe on whatever app or platform you listen to us on. And if you just take a moment to give us a ranking or write a review, that will help us uh, get listed in the browsing category recommendations, which are ever crowded, not with Spanish
1: music, but K-pop podcasts.
0: Okay. We just don't need more
1: of those. They have a uh, lot of fans, though. You don't want to make them mad at you. They'll just yeah. kind of we'll pile on. I don't think
0: we've got much crossover. But uh, anyway, it would be nice to have some more classical and jazz things up there for people to discover. And if you uh, give us a little ranking,
1: that helps us out and we'll get maybe, more maybe, listeners. Maybe we can get one of those K-pop guys to co-host the show with us. Well, that would be an interesting <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Well, if they like classical yeah. jazz, it would. Okay. So any K-pop
0: <laughs> uh, guys who are interested in coming on or other listeners, uh, if you'd like to contact us directly any comments questions we'd love to hear from you our email address is adult music podcast all one word at gmail.com
1: yeah okay um so let's so i guess we should just dive in huh? jump in let's jump in all right here we go all right so we're going to start in classical music and we're going back to the baroque era how, how great is this baroque spanish mexican this is how could it not be good well it depends on the artists, really. But first of all, we have the um, this first album on the uh, Brilliant Classics label, which is a budget label, by the way. So if you buy this, it'll be cheaper. It's kind of like the Naxos label that way. Uh, Brilliant Classics again. The album has the thrilling title, Navigating Foreign Waters. I don't think you want an ING word starting air title somehow. It just kind of takes away from it. Mm. Anyway, Navigating Foreign Waters, Spanish Baroque music and Mexican folk music. Now, I should mention, when they say this isn't going to be an album of Spanish Baroque music and there are going to be some Mexican folk music pieces on them. No, they're all put together into the same pieces. It's kind of interesting. And yeah. I, I found this uh, record really compelling. We'll get, But we'll see. Okay, the... Uh, the artists are, it's its not an ensemble here, it's just three people. Maria Christina Kier, who we heard on the Joscan recording a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, she's the voice. She's labeled as voice. I believe she's a, uh, um, I think she's a mezzo soprano. Yeah. but she, she does sound kind of in the middle here. Yeah, I like, uh, his, she's got I like kind her of, voice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good voice, but I'll, I'll have something to say, but I like her actually. But let's, uh, we'll get to that. Krishna Sol Jimenez on Baroque guitar. Uh, Krishna (laughs) wow I wonder Mm. who his parents were Krishna saw Mm. yeah Baroque guitar very gentle sounding instrument and Roberto Koch or Koch depending on where he's from on Mm. the Colashone now Colashone is kind of a Renaissance era instrument kind of like a lute with a very long neck but here it's used as like a bass instrument which is yeah, very cool. Lower. Yeah, it's lower. Okay, it's lower yeah. than a lute is cuz the baroque guitar of course is going to be the um, the uh, the higher instrument on this right. case. Um, it's mainly it's actually mainly used in southern Italy, so I don't know how I got on this. I don't know, okay. but it's
0: cool because it's it's yeah. it's like the bass, but it he's not limited to that any it adds another sort of counterline and interesting things to this whole recording. So I liked it a lot. Um interesting combination.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now let me um sort of set this up before we go into these uh these ten pieces, which are all by um uh Santiago de Murcia or Murcia, I guess you'd pronounce it. Except for one, which is by Gaspar Sanz, who's uh who we know because um uh Joaquin Rodrigo used his music in his uh the like Fantasia para un Gentil hombre. And also, he may have... Who did the Canarias movement at the end of uh, Concerto de Aranjuez? I don't remember who that was. But um, oh, by the way, if you don't know those two pieces by Rodrigo, just r- shut the podcast off right yeah, go now. go listen to those. And go listen to those because they're amazing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> both of them are fantastic. If you like classical guitar, okay? Uh, Concerto de Aranjuez, or I should say Concierto de Aranjuez and because you got to say it the Spanish way and uh fantasía para un gentil hombre okay by Joaquín Rodrigo all right um but we're not talking about that today we're talking about much earlier music than that okay so I have this on a CD, actually. Um, And I'm rather a fan of Maria Cristina Kier, so I was really kind of keen to hear this. Um, The booklet, the the voice in this, the booklet Mm. gives some explanation of the history of the son, which is sort of like the uh, Spanish or Hispanic music song style. Um, And this word son, it it has a really complicated history, and um, unless you're... Involved in Spanish music as either a player or a scholar or just born into the culture. uh You really It's it's hard to get to know you really have to immerse yourself in it because it's like English-speaking culture Spanish-speaking culture, of course spread all through South America Central America. It's in Spain, of course, and uh each you know the Caribbean and each of these countries has developed its own style right. of this music these are, these are all intensely musical cultures. Um, so it's kind of hard to explain because we're going to hear more song later in the jazz, but that's like Cuban song. That's different than this, but still they say the same word, uh, how it evolved into the elements we hear on this album. It doesn't say anything about the individual works though. So I, I, I can't really, I did a bit of work to try to explain what's going on in these works. Um, but It's kind of hard to do. I wasn't able to find all that much information. What they've done here is fairly original. Um, Basically, what this album does is combine Baroque music techniques with those used in the Veracruz region of Mexico, uh, which is known as the Jarocho style. I hope I said that right. I don't speak Spanish, unfortunately. Here I am doing a Spanish uh, podcast. It's all Spanish music. I don't speak this language. Uh, Oh, so horrible. Yes, I don't... uh yeah, don't hope we don't get any tomatoes thrown at us or anything. Yeah, tonight. no tomatoes. You can you can yeah. kind of send us some some pronunciation guides if you like, so we can get them right in the future. Um, well, by the way, any, I do if, use... if there's any ladies, native Spanish speakers with like a real
0: sexy voice, like a radio yeah. voice, and you want to yeah. come on and pronounce the words for us as
1: a guest yeah. host, we could we could work something out. Yeah, you can come me. here. Actually, it doesn't matter who it is really. We'll <laughs> take anybody. Um... <laughs> <laughs> just help us out, because I use I use this site. I'm not going to say who it is, like to get pronunciations. And sometimes they just it's it's just the internet. They just pronounce the words wrong, right? Like I, I, I'll look up some stuff that I know, and they'll say you know you'll get you uh, they just don't you know it's just they just say the word like they think it's pronounced, and uh, nobody's really looked it up. It's really horrible. Uh, anyway,
0: who are you going to rely on? In the- in this day the internet age,
1: is is as much a hindrance as it is a help. Basically, it kind of you got to really. It's, I mean, it actually I think it makes you do more work in a way. That's right. Trying to well, figure not, out what's um, true and what's not.
0: You know, we're not. We deal with lots of different languages on this podcast, so we can't be we experts in them at all in all of them.
1: Uh, let alone. We're pr- I have to say though, we're pretty impressive. We between us, we've got a few. Uh, you know, quite a, quite a few languages in there. I think it's a, a lifetime of listening to all this music, too, Could kind be. of helped with that. Well, I did study Spanish,
0: but it's been more than 30 years since I've uh, oh, wow. looked at it. So, you know, the yeah. closest I get is salsa records these days. <laughs> 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 anyway.
1: Well, there's and also there's great Spanish music, too, yeah. from Spain classical music okay so the harocho jaro- style is a conservative style that keeps fundamental traits of Spanish music alive um, the guitar is usually strummed in this style and you'll usually hear it plucked in Baroque music right think about classical mu- guitar it's always mm. it's rarely strummed okay the lute you know it, classical music kind of evolved really from these string instruments in Italy the you know the colascione the lute and then you know it kind of and they're all plucked instruments basically um but in more popular music you'll hear the guitar strummed. Now in these pieces, you're going to hear both at the same time. Like one yeah. instrument is plucking and one is strumming and it's really cool. Um, I re- it's it's this beautiful, gentle sound both of these instruments get and it's just enjoyable throughout. They get these really delicate t- timbres. Um, the the uh, variety of uh, approaches is really nice. I, I don't know that the approach is different, just the music, if it's written on yeah. how much improvising they're doing. I really One don't know what these thing, scores look like. Yeah. I,
0: there is a lot of variety in in here, but almost everything is in triple meter. It's almost all, everything is Yeah, in, that's true. Yeah. In the style, it doesn't vary from that. So, um, all right. Yeah, you only that has be a able to, to do. count to 3 after you listen to this record
1: <laughs> right. so yeah. You'll
0: need to uh, reorient uh, your counting after that.
1: Yeah. Another thing you're going to have to deal with that's kind of the same is, um, Maria Christina Kier's voice. And it's going to be crucial that you like this voice because she's, she doesn't vary her tone throughout the album. She always sounds the same. Now it's a very pretty voice. It's got, yeah. it's, I once described it as, as this kind of like a certain mannish sort of hardness to it, but it's up in the, you know, kind of soprano range and it's pretty. I should also mention, despite her – don't let her name fool you. She's actually Argentinian. Now, that means she's a native Spanish speaker, but she's a native Spanish speaker from Argentina, which is very different than being a native Spanish speaker from Spain or Mexico. Right. It's a different style, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, so, she's not really – I mean, she's, she's pronouncing all the words right. And she's getting all that – all the enunciations right. But the style isn't quite, you know – I don't think it's authentic as I hate the word authentic um, but, but ah, it's good enough but what I'm saying is it's. I, I think this music would benefit from a lighter voice especially given the lighter instruments mm. um, that are being used here that said I'm rather a fan of hers and I really like her um, the thing is she sings on all 10 of these tracks and um, on past when I really got to know her singing back in the 2000s, the early 2000s on on recordings, she was often paired with someone else, and I really felt that this album would have benefited a lot if there was another singer, mm. and they would alternate tracks. You know, you'd have just different timbres, and I think that would have been helpful. But besides that, it's, um, it's, whether you like this recording live is really going to depend on whether you like her voice. Now, I do. I wish there was a little more variety in it. I wish there were a little more variety in it, but this is what we've got, Okay. Okay, I should say uh, Santiago de Murcia ha- also has a connection with Mexico in that some of his manuscripts we have of his music were discovered there. He's actually from Spain. Okay, and um, so we know a lot of his music from Mexican manuscripts. Um, so we're going to start out, track one, with uh, the only work by Gaspar Sanz on this album, uh, La Bruja, and this is yacaras uh, Yacaras, and... Uh, Yácarás is a Spanish song uh, performed during the entrácte of a theater piece, so the uh, pause in a theater piece, and it's also the accompaniment to many types of dances. Um, This particular tune is plucked by the uh, string instruments. Um, La bruja is the witch, it means the witch, and the lyric goes through some folk beliefs about what witches do. Each verse kind of has a different thing where this person is being abducted by a witch. Uh, Maria Christina Kier has a very clear voice here, and I remember the cloudy quality they gave her on the Josquin album, so you can kind of hear her voice to better effect mm. on this record. Um, the guitars on this have a nice crisp quality to them, too. Uh, they're close up, and they're really clear. You can hear all the um, just the beautiful sounds they make. It's, it really is wonderful. I, I enjoyed hearing the guitars all the way through, and I found myself zooming in on them uh, quite a bit. Uh, I like the way the guitars just keep adding new figuration in the long gaps between the verses, too. Like The the verse will end, and you think there's a little bridge to the next verse, but no, they just keep going and going until the next verse comes, and it's, it's all really inventive and interesting. Again, I don't know how much of that is improvised and how much is actually written down on paper, um, but I'm willing to bet that a lot of it is sort of... um improvise. it has mm. that quality to it um they kind of sound like a stream a streams of purling water in a brook if you can kind of imagine a sort of um plucked guitar sound it's like that it's kind of mm. swirling a little bit um okay i think yeah i like i also like the way this tune just ends as the vocal has just fallen off a cliff i guess it kind of uh <laughs> gives that uh, feeling of, uh danger that you have when you're with a witch anyway I've second track <laughs> what have you really yeah <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell us about that or we go on to the next track what do you think
0: uh we'll save that for
1: girls 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 episode uh, oh we have to name should. an episode girls 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 yeah i don't know We'll get there. Okay, next we have La Carretera, which is a cumbe, cumbi, and I don't know what that is really. This is by Mur- Murcia. Murcia, I should say. That's not a lisp. That's the way the Spanish would say it. Um, all the rest of the pieces are going to be by Santiago de Murcia. Okay, La Carretera means the highway, and this one is strummed. Um, com- it's combined baroque and jarocho, um, plucking and mostly strumming. Um The voice is on the heavy side on this one, um, and this is kind of where I kind of thought, ah, she's not really inflecting the words, like, there's not much flexibility to the voice, and I think we would have benefited from that, but as I said, it's an appealing voice. I don't really want to complain about it, because I liked it enough. Uh, the lyrics are about leaving and coming back, basically, the highway. Track three, Los Jujas, which is a kind of fish, a Jujas is a kind of fish. Um, this piece has a lot of plucking in the guitars, strumming in the repeating chorus. So there's your variety. You have the plucked uh, verse and the um, strummed chorus. Uh, the guitars get a solo sections in between the verses, and they're all rather nice again. Track four, Sequisiri Okay, another one of these uh, dance pieces or on track for a theater piece. Um, this is about the vocalist Love and Faithfulness. This has strumming guitars and some gorgeous plucking while the vo- vocalist sings. I really honed in on this. A beautiful arrangement, if that's what it is. Um, well, it, it is because the two instruments chosen were probably aren't, um, indicated in the score. I think they just chose these. Um, they would have been guitars, at least. Uh, the guitar textures change between the, uh, I have between the voices here. I wonder what I mean by that. Um, the, um, what I like, the, I like the, Okay. Uh, th- at this point, I noticed that Kier didn't have much uh, variety of tone. So we're just kind of hearing that same voice again and again. Next, track five, Los Giles Verdes. Uh, I really liked this one. This is a Tarantellas, which I believe is an Italian, a Southern Italian style. The Tarantella, which is a very fast right. dance in six, six, eight. So three, basically three. <laughs> okay. So it's kind of a spinning sort of uh, motion. Uh, this song charmingly compares the singer's lover and love to various chilies and peppers. Hey, and, uh hot. It's all hot. Yeah, it's all hot, but they're getting burned, too. That's also sort of in that there can as happen. well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really clever. It's nice. Uh, things haven't really changed much since the Baroque, I guess. Well, everything has changed, except that certain things haven't. Those witches Some are still are around. around. I know that. Mm. What was that? The witches are still around, too. Yeah, relationships are still hard, too. All right, nice tempo, textural changes in this. The sound of the Baroque guitar is very gentle and touching. Um, I love that hearing that instrument. And as the mood changes, Kier changes not the tone, but the volume of her voice. And that was interesting. Okay, she gets a little louder when when it has to be more passionate. So there is sort of some um, coloring, I guess, in this. This one's a little different, yeah. It's got. It is a little different. I thought,
0: you know, I don't know if it's Italian, but the the chord progressions are very Spanish yeah, they, to the they, dance yeah. and then the rhythm. Some, I'm saying is Italian. Yeah. That's the and, thing. The, and there's yeah. some cool guitar doodling in this one too. So yeah, it's kind of right.
1: Fun. Yeah, the guitar doodles are really the best part of this album, I think. Yeah. All right, the sixth track is called La Yorena La Llornaita. Now, everybody probably knows the, uh, song La Llorona, at least from the, um, that Pixar movie. Um, you rem- what was it called? In J- Japanese, it's called Remember Me. Coco, it's called in English. Oh. Uh, in Japanese, it was Remember Me. That, in English, Remember Me. I don't see why they didn't just keep the name Coco, but, <laughs> you know, it'd be easier to say.
0: You know? And, probably because Coco but, means here in Japanese, right? So maybe. maybe yeah, but they could have used the
1: ka- the katakana and they yeah. know, you know. They could have called it Mama Coco. <laughs> Mama here, I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't
0: <laughs> they always rename movies here and yeah. it makes it one, really hard to find them when yeah. if you if you're searching for them on a computer or on cable TV, right. you gotta search for them in phonetically in katakana. And then the title's been changed to something Right. That you would never think of,
1: uh, so, um, I remember that movie, uh, just recently Pixar put out the movie Luka. Now, we, we deal with, um, Japanese, um, college students a lot and they're, um, it, it doesn't really matter how old they are. You can get even, you know, people here in their 40s and 50s and they're really into animated things, you know, like manga. You know, there are adult manga as well as the, the ones for younger people. And they really love these things. They love just animation. They consider themselves to be like the, the world's connoisseurs on animation, and I wouldn't really uh, doubt that they seem to know a lot about it. But uh, I, I was trying to get them to see this movie, Luca, the about the Italian, um, the you know the Italian town and the two uh, mm. sea monsters who turn into humans when they come on the shore. Anyway, um, in Japanese, it has a different name. It's called the Anonatsu no Luca. So I had to find, figure that out before they <laughs> Good luck. understood understood what it was. I was like, oh man. <laughs> Yeah. The other the other way though, when there's a Japanese movie like an old one, they'll kind of uh, they have massively long names. the The title is like a description, right? And they'll always try to shorten it in English to kind of make it seem more appealing to the you know to be more punchy for the mm. English speaking audience, but it never really works. Hard to cross reference these. Yeah. Anyway, so la um means the little weeper in this case. Uh, Okay, so La Llorona would be a famous. This isn't that it's different. Okay, this has a strummed opening and uh, Mostly strumming during the vocals too. So it really sounds like a Mexican tune the vocal the vocalist describes About how only by weeping can she rest. Oh wouldn't want to be around this this chick Let me tell you the guitar interaction in this is beautifully touching Uh, They are the highlight of this recording and these songs are all really beautiful and refreshing, and I like this one a lot too. Yeah, this
0: she, her it's a beautiful song. Vocal has like a nice yearning quality to it on this track. I like this yeah. one too.
1: Mm. Number seven. There are ten tracks, by the way. Number seven, Maria Chuchena. This is a yota, um, which I guess is a dance. I didn't really find that anywhere. This one is strummed a uh, very pretty counterpoint in the guitars between verses one was strumming and the other plucking they both start strumming and then you know the textures change as they go uh they pluck the melodies and solos the song is about a man trying to convince Maria of the title to come away with him when he catches her bathing he keeps repeating that he doesn't roof her house i don't know what that means maybe he just kind of wants her out in the open where he can see her like in all her mm. in all her that's glory some kind of- Spanish idiom. You know, there there really, must be some kind of like little joke in there that we're not getting. Yeah. Like, hey, I'd like to hey, roof your house anytime. Hey, I'm yeah, not gonna something. roof you. I'm not gonna roof your house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah she, he says he's not. He doesn't roof her house. I don't know if that he's means he doesn't want house. to or he's just you know. Hmm. Anyway, um, Maria Cristina Kier sounds in her element here. I thought she sang this one really well too. Um I feel like this song could have really taken flight with a little more enthusiasm from her though. Um as it is it's good. She's she's a very careful singer, I think, especially on this tune. I would have liked her to let go more.
0: She's worried about the roof, that's why she's.
1: Maybe it's the roof, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't want to be bailing with that guy looking at me either, you know. <laughs> anyway, El Galo, track 8. This is a folias galegas from Galega, I guess. A uh, folia is a kind of um It's a chord progression, but in this case, I think it's also a dance. These Spanish words tend to have. They they tend to refer to a lot of different musical elements at the same time. And I think this one does too. Uh, Some beautiful guitar plucking in this ballad, I said. I I thought this was really lovely too. It's just
0: guitar and voice, isn't it? I think. Yeah.
1: We don't have the. uh, The Coleshana in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Number nine. Fandanguito. Cool title. Because a fan, Fandango is kind of... It's a dance, but it's, it kind of has this kind of cool image to it, to us in the uh, English-speaking world, I think because of uh, ZZ Top named one of their albums this some <laughs> or something. Okay. It's a partner dance that originated in Portugal and Spain, a Fandango. It sounds kind of tough, you know? All right, we hear Kieran, her higher range here, and we've heard her in the middle of her range for really the entire album so far. This is a big change. Again, strumming and plucking together. One verse is recited uh, by one of the instrumentalists, I guess, since there are only three of them on there. It's a male voice. Um, oh, yeah, and yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Okay. And the, we get to the last track, Agua Nieve. Um, uh, this is a Zarambek muecas It's kind of both. Uh, Zarambek is a dance and musical form from the 17th century with roots in Spanish colonial America. So what that means is Spanish, African, and mestizo influences converge: Mestizos, European, and indigenous Americans together. Okay. It's a lively, boisterous dance in triple or sextuple meter. Sextuple just means two threes. Uh, with, uh, parallel or serial second lines in a duple or quadruple meter. I copied this off, uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. Agua means sleet kind of like we're, some of us listening are probably experiencing now. But the lyrics also make it out to be a style of song, okay? Because she keeps saying, sing the Agua Kier sings her s- this slow tune rather quietly and pleadingly, and I like her a lot here, so this is a good way to end. Um, there's light strumming and melodic plucking figures throughout, and the piece has a beautiful melody. Um, I would have liked um, maybe one or two instrumental tracks to break up, the vocals on this album, or maybe another uh, vocalist, maybe a male, uh, to to just kind of break up the monotony of the the one voice all the way through. Uh, that doesn't mean to say that Kira is boring. She sings very well. And she understands she's in the idiom, uh, more or less. She's got she's certainly got the pronunciation. Um the songs themselves on this are the are they a real find. I really enjoyed these songs a lot. And the guitar and Colashone in duet are compelling throughout. So I would recommend this album with slight reservations, if it's free, definitely listen to it. Actually, it's cheap anyway because it's on Brilliant Classics, so you can buy it cheaply.
0: I like this one just for a few reasons: the uniqueness of yeah, that uh, this combination, me. and uh, I tend to really like sparse instrumentation. Uh, mm-hmm. As I age, I <laughs> I like uh, non-amplified instruments, so I appreciate acoustic tones. More, uh, yeah, and so you know I really like um, you know uh, trios, you know chamber yeah. music with trios, uh, things where the parts of the instruments are, you know, very clear. And then here you've got this, you know, you don't get to hear colosione all the time, yeah.
1: And well, usually it's, it's accompanying or it's like the yeah. continuo, so you don't really get to hear what it sounds like anyway.
0: And the approach that he takes here is really cool because uh, it's covering, you know, the bass area but he's also doing really interesting kind of counterpoint uh, and uh, interplay with the baroque guitar is really interesting uh, so you have that and uh, I'm not a huge fan of uh, soprano voices but I found her range of soprano is uh, kind of warm and endearing it didn't push yeah, my it's soprano button, definitely uh, and the material was unique and uh interesting uh so yeah I was uh, engaged and uh, pleased with this one
1: yeah, endearing is a good word for her voice. Actually, I'm glad you said that. Actually, mm. I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> That's really what draws mm. me to her. Yeah. All right. Yeah, interesting recording. All right, moving on to something really Spanish, um, by Enrique Granados, his great pian- set of his great piano suite, Goyescas, Opus 11, and uh, this set of um, it's a set, it's a suite of six piano pieces. Now this is seventh one we'll I'll explain what that is too um which doesn't belong the seventh track doesn't belong to the suite it's a separate goyesca um it it um it's it the suite recounts musically the love story of two young people and he kind of subtitles it los majos enamorados the uh, young people in love hmm. okay um and uh, the love story goes with their courting, um, there's a love duet, the young man dies, and then he reappears as a ghost. Oh. This is kind of a little unusual. Um, what, what inspired Granadas about Francisco Goya, the painter, now the title Goyescas comes from uh, the painter's name, Goya's name. Uh, he was uh, around in the classical era, 1746 to 1828 are his years. So basically around the time Beethoven was around. And really, Mozart's entire life, too. He was, he was around, too. Um, Francisco Goya, he liked his sense of color, uh, the vitality of a late 18th century popular Spain, and his tragic pessimism, the sense of death, which in Spanish psychology is often associated with love so mm. it's like eros and thanatos together um you you often get this love and death theme in latin cultures in general um certainly in italy you do too especially in southern italy but it seems to have a real hold on like spanish culture mm. if you think about uh even in um, th- things like the tango in argentina right and yeah. uh what's what's the spanish thing with the guitars um flamenco uh, yeah flamenco yeah it's, there's a lot of that in there too it's real this deep music- passion this is interesting. Yeah.
0: This is a first listen for me here, oh, really? but I found a, a really big uh, kind of French, uh, kind of impressionist focus on timbre, mm. combined with the intensity of Spanish rhythms. So yeah. you get kind of both in this music, which I thought was yeah. you know what made it unique for me.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, oh I should mention by the way about Enrique Granados. Um, he and he he wrote this piece. And he and his wife both died together when their ship was sunk in the English t- Channel by a German U-boat when they were returning from the United States after the American success of the Opera Goyescas, which was written after this oh. uh, set of piano works. So it's kind of a sad ending. Granados, along with Albanese, who is the um, Albaniz, who is the um, great Romantic composer of um, uh, Spain, uh, Granados would, is. The great modernist composer of Spain, but the riches he would have left us had he lived on and kept writing music. Um is is it's really sad to think that we lost that yeah. you know due to due to war, really. That was in nineteen sixteen, World War I was on. Okay, these pieces are like fantastic improvisations. They're brilliant mm. sometimes, then they're psychologically elaborate. They're full of refined harmonies. You can hear the inspiration of Scarlatti sonatas and the Spanish Baroque in general in the generous ornamentation. And there's also a lot of Wagnerian chromaticism. All right. That means these works are very complicated, and they are. <laughs> and they um, turn on a dime. <laughs> they turn on a dime. They're pretty long, and they're very involved. This you really can't hear this only one time. There, you're not going to get it the first time. It's just too much going on. I'm going to try to give you a little bit of a a sort of sign signposts. You can follow the story, and that'll help you through it. There are some real like there are certain elements of music that um, really just call up images of Spain, and I think it's because. What's well, the folk music really? The Spanish have made the the turn their own. You know, like the da na na na, you know that kind of mm. melody, or da na na, these kind of arpeggios these um what do you call it, arpeggiatura kind a of things. things yeah. yeah, they they have a, a special way with them. The way the French have a way with color. They have they have these little elements that make these works sound quintessentially Spanish. And you'll oh, hear a lot which, of them in here, but you can hear a lot more, too. What? Well, this is just a completely
0: uh, <laughs> a side thing. But um, yeah. Um, well, so we live in Japan here. And one of the really interesting, strange things uh, I noticed when I came to Japan, you know, if you turn on uh, the television, um, they have what's called uh, jidai-geki. Oh, yes. Which are basically, you know, historical movies often dealing with uh, samurai Right, And uh, one of the strange uh, kind of uh, cultural appropriations or combinations I noticed was that samurai mu- movies, um, uh, without fail, feature Spanish music. And so whenever you're watching a samurai movie and the guy draws out his sword, you're going to hear that. And I found this uh, extremely strange, you know, kind of a juxtaposition of of this you know spanish appogitura on a trumpet and then a sword by a samurai but what i if you ask japanese about it something they've never noticed it's just like always been used so i just don't know how that (laughs) uh came to be you know sandwiched in uh with uh you know yeah it just becomes like a way to
1: indicate this uh This thing yeah. that's kind of funny. Yeah. There are there are elements. There are similar elements, like the dances in Japan all use those folding fans, and the Spanish yeah. flamenco uses them too. Right, they're a different design of yeah. fan, but the, these hand fans. It's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there's probably there's some connection somewhere. I don't know. One if, of those
0: things, you know.
1: Anyway, there's your PhD project, listeners. Who, if you're <laughs> looking for one, uh, let us know about it if you find out any information, because I'm always interested to know about mm. these world connections. Okay. Um anyway, let's go through this. Now these are all very long and very involved, so it's I mean it's easy to get lost, but you wanna it's gonna take several listens. Okay, I should also mention about the Goyescas, uh the single best recording ever made of these, and of any of Granados's and Albanese's works, are by the Spanish pianist Alicia de la Rocha. So if you've never heard these before, you're gonna wanna hear that performance. Uh she seems unsurpassable in this music and I've heard other performances of the Goyescas they're they're odd because they're Spanish but they're also complicated and it's hard to really get a handle on if you're the pianist how to put it across there are rhetorical bits where it sounds like someone's kind of talking you know so Mm. the, the melody kind of has this speaking quality to it so you have to put across that emotion it's and it it has a lot to do with timing it's i think these are really hard to play and put across as far as the uh the the ever changing mood goes and i've heard other pianists play this and they just don't get the you know the spanish mm. flavor of this um the pianist here on this album is uh viviana lasaracina she's italian and um this is on the dynamic label which is an italian label it, it might be pronounced dinamique because it's um an <laughs> you know, Italian thing. But they do use the Y, so I'm guessing dynamic. I don't know. Right, there's no... Uh, is there a Y in Italian? I guess there is. I don't know. They generally don't use it, though. Um. Okay, so... But this, aside from Della Rocha, this really is the best performance of this I've ever heard. I think Della Rocha's is still the higher level performance. I mean, I think she's... Just unsurpassable, so write that name down. Alicia de la Rocha. Alicia de la Rocha. She's the the best performer of really Spanish music in the recording era, basically. Okay, anyway, but uh, La Sarachina is, is actually pretty excellent. She gets this idiom, and she's not Spanish, although she might have some kind of you know connection to Spain. I'm not really sure, but she puts the Spanish elements across very strongly. Mm-hmm. You notice them when they come through. Okay, the first piece in the suite. All right, so what we're hearing, there are eight tracks on this album. The first six are the um, Goyescas, uh, subtitled uh, Los Majos Enamorados. Okay, so this is about the two lovers. So in Los Requiebros, which means the compliments or maybe the flirtation, it's just this light sort of um, getting to know each other between the boy and the girl, you know, making these little... Comments to each other, or something like that, or complimenting each other, is the initial seduction part. Uh, the compliments are given with flirtation and also with erotic passion. How could we not have that, All right? In a Spanish piece, yeah. Mm. Russ, Russ has a comment coming. I was just thinking of the Spanish fly again, but you know. the Spanish fly—they could have used some of that here. Again, yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it was necessary in this piece because I think they. Really uh, I They fall in love, definitely. Okay, the two main themes are taken from a famous tonadilla, okay, from Spain. So people hearing this for the first time would have known it. And I guess Spanish people people today would still be able to pinpoint the melody as a famous song. And they go through a series of variation with nuances from gentleness and elegance to fieriness and passion. There are a lot of flourishes in the harpsichord style in this piece and I really like that. It gives the whole flirtation a sort of old world quality so you it kind of feels like this is something that's been going on for a long long time like through history. This is the way young boy young men and women sort of uh traditionally get together. It kind of gives it that feeling. There's a lot of all these elements sort of build up into something really special. Uh, it's got a pretty grand opening with a lot of Spanish turns, da na 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 that kind of thing. The piano sound is a bit distant on this album, like you've just walked into a large room and there's someone playing the piano at the other end of it. So there's a lot of kind of room noise, but the detail all registers. It doesn't get lost in the room echo. Um, this is a, this is an acceptable distance. It's I, I generally like piano recordings to be a little closer, um, but I have no problem with this, really. Yeah, that was one... I thought, for most of it,
0: sounds good. But I, I felt that this, this piano in the upper register sounded mm. quite thin and tinkly. Mm. Um, you know, in the in the middle I registers, the piano. and mm. when she was really, you know, hammering out some of the parts, I, you know, I felt like I was really experiencing it. But some of the upper register things, yeah, I don't know if it's just this instrument or the way it was, you know, mic'd or something, but um, it, yeah, kind of
1: thin. Uh, mm. and, uh, it was obviously might pretty far away yeah, yeah. so <laughs> to to get a sound like this it could okay. be the, um, n- out of necessity
0: because there are some very intense you know uh loud dynamics and the the contrast between soft and loud is huge on this recording
1: yeah right by the way the dynamic label hasn't really always been the best sound as far ah, as sound quality goes could be also but i don't blame i don't fault the engineer for anything on this album i think it sounds you know, yeah, it sounds it's good. Acceptable. It's a it's good... It's, yeah. it's an acceptable piano sound. Um, the pianist also, Lessa picks up the Spanish feel extremely well, as well as all the sudden changes of tone. Like, you know, the the moods mm-hmm. change on a dime, I guess, like the, uh, the lover's feelings where they'll suddenly just light up after just, you know, being gentle with each other. Um, I guess Italians understand elegance and passion. Hey! Anyway, the piece is very appealing, but very dense and Lazzarichina sounds like an excellent guide. All right, again though, you're gonna to have to hear this more than once. Second piece, Colloquio en la reja, the conversation at the gate, or a reja can also be a window, I guess. Um, the passion mounts in this piece. Um, it's a love duet, and the bass is imitating a guitar, so you want to kind of keep that in mind when you're listening. Um, it kind of had the you know the um, the decay and stuff is, it has to be weighted so that it kind of sounds like the quick decay of a guitar. Okay, the central part of this is a copla, which is a very tender um, sound. It's, it's a form of popular poetry in Spain, and it's played pianissimo. Uh, the recitative that leads to the final measures is more dramatic. So, in this case, a recitative in opera is when the characters talk. They're not singing. They're in, for example, in classical opera, if you listen to a Mozart opera, you'll hear a lot of this. Like they'll talk a little bit and they'll explain their situation and how they feel. And then in the song, they'll put across their feelings in the uh, aria. Um, So on the piano, the recitative is going to be, it's not going to be musical or kind of like sound like a melody. It's going to sound more like, uh, you know, narrower and um, in range and things like that, just so it sounds like someone talking um you can hear that towards the end um it starts very quietly like a like the passion is hidden one gets the sense of whispered conversations there's an intimate hush over the entire opening of this movement and it starts to get bolder just after the 3 minute mark uh the phrasing is more conversational rhetorical not song like and i'm guessing the copla begins at around 4 minutes and 30 seconds Um, The harmonic profile changes there. And by the nine-minute mark, we're starting to hear strong declarations. Uh, There's something more playful at around the 10-minute and 30-second mark, builds to a passion around the 12-minute mark, and then quietens into something poetic. And the recitative that I talked about before starts at around the 12-minute, 20-second mark, and we hear the tender conclusion occupying the final minute.
0: Yeah, there's some... Pretty cool, deceptive cadences in this one too. You, you think you know yeah. where it's going, and then oop, it resolves in a different direction and uh,
1: changes yeah, no, it, it, interestingly. Yeah, the whole the whole sort of texture of it will change too. Like all yeah. suddenly too, and you're like, whoa, you know. That's those are the kind of things because you're just starting to absorb, say, the uh, the style, and then it'll, it'll suddenly change, and your mind. It's sort of like when you're reading a book, you know, and you're kind of like, uh, I don't know, you uh, read a sentence, you don't really get what it means and somehow it's in your head and you're still reading and then three pages later you don't really mm. you you realize that you haven't understood anything you've read in the last three pages. Right. That sort of thing happens in this piece because of these all of these sudden changes and this is why I think you have to hear it more than once. But we live in the um in the recording age Too long didn't so... listen age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But... <laughs> if you were playing this on the piano though, you'd have all the time in the world to figure all this out though, sure. so you know. Because you you know theoretically you were playing it for your own pleasure and not to perform it. These days, it's all performance. We, we it's music making has become a performance thing. I think it's sad. It's not a house thing anymore. Like yeah. a thing you just do for your own yeah. pleasure.
0: Entertainment you know. is othered rather than participatory, which is a right. Shame.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't. Well, back yeah. then it was already that was already happening. But uh, yeah, in the eighteenth and nineteenth century, it was certainly something that families did. Mm -hmm. Okay. The third uh, piece in the suite, El Fandango de Candil. Any tune with the name Fandango and it just sounds really cool, doesn't it? I love it. Yeah. I love a Fandango. I like a good Fandango. Uh, This one is called the Candil, the oil lamp or the lamp Fandango. This one is vigorous and rhythmic. It's a scene sung and danced slowly and with rhythm. Uh, it's got kind of a sonata form. There are two themes a development and a recapitulation, but it doesn't really follow strict sonata rules. There's really the development part doesn't won't develop all that much. It just kind of changes. There's a lot of triplets, and it starts with an ostinato dance rhythm, which breaks into the melody of full Spanish flur- flourishes. The melody has a lot of these Spanish flourishes in it. Mm-hmm. They're in full full swing here. These two are in love, okay, by this point. Okay, again, uh, in phrasing as well as in subtle speeding up and slowing of tempo, uh, La Saracina captures the Spanish element well and the rhythmic dance character continues throughout this piece. Um, the momentum she has is very good here. This is a part where the Della Rocha recording has like a lot more momentum. She's really excellent at putting this across. Um All right, now, I hope you enjoyed that because things are going to start getting bad. (laughs) No, I mean, I don't mean in the playing, the whole piece is going to be great, but I mean in the story, okay? The fourth, uh, piece, uh, Quejas o la Maya, la Maja e il Ruiseñor. Um, this is, um, where things start, uh, turning, turning, uh, towards death and away from love. Um, this means, uh, complaints. Um, or, uh, the young woman and the nightingale, all right? Well, complaints, chaos can mean a lament as well, okay? And, uh, the most, this is the most famous piece of the suite. It's dreamy, enchanting, lyrical, easy on the ear, um, as far as the melodic material goes, not necessarily the form. Uh, the young girl is being comforted by the song of a nightingale, but has a tragic, foreboding so she's nervous about something and she doesn't really understand what it is she kind of senses that something bad is going to happen um so there's a four voice polyphonic prelude at the beginning and the booklet says this is reminiscent of some of scarlatti's andante i really didn't hear that his andante sonatas you know that are played Mm -hmm. really slow um i didn't really pick that up this sounded very romantic to me at least in this performance the theme that comes afterwards was taken from a popular song which returns transformed in the next two pieces of the suite uh, the opening figurations don't remind me of Scarlatti at all as I said but okay they sound great Um, they sound to me too rhetorical with too many speech like pauses to be baroque because I think of baroque as being with no pauses it's kind of like uh, perpetual motion Uh, generally okay the beautiful song melody begins around the 1 minute and 40 second mark it's highly romantic um, despite this being written in the modernist era Um, it's obvious why this is the most famous piece in the set it's very appealing the melody there are lots of difficult sounding trills between phrases of the melody in case you're thinking of playing this on your own I mean enjoy yourself but I think this sounds (laughs) kind of hard to play Um, there's some gorgeous bird song like trilling towards the end and at six minutes and thirty seconds and onward in the upper register of the piano. Uh rhetorical elements of the ending are hard to put across, but La Saracina does well with this. Okay, here we go. El amor y la muerte. Bayada, okay or balada. This is the emotional climax of the suite. All of the themes we have heard return. So we hear everything we've heard in the first four movements, like the, all the themes, are compressed into this one uh, pretty long movement. This one goes mm. on to fifteen for 15 minutes. And they're all invested with a tragic reality this time. Um, suppo- the last time you hear the, uh, the Mahas, the young woman's motif at the end, is supposed to sound, in Granados's words, very expressive and as if they were happiness in the pain. Hmm. Mm. Think about this. This is one of those laughter through tears things. Uh, yeah. the love with death it's, it's a complicated thing to put across if you're the pianist you really have to dig deep into your psychology to, yeah. to get this
0: this contrast in this one really stand out Yeah, changing and- emotions suddenly and sad to lighter things and um, then the, the middle section is the yearning melody right. everything comes back but in you know shorter things almost like recalling everything uh, in a stream
1: um, right. The beginning of this is very, like, foreboding. It's well, in the lower end, end of the piano. ominous notes there. Ominous. Boom, boom, yeah. Lots of pregnant pauses. Mm. Uh, there's some real virtuosic passion uh, right around the 1 minute 15 second mark. Then it quietens as we start to hear some of the suite's familiar themes file past at length. Um, and at the end, death triumphs with slow chords and we hear the tolling of bells that starts at around the 13 minute 10 second mark okay so that could be the end of the suite but as with uh, berlioz's symphony fantastique there's one more movement mm-hmm. um with that that's rather unexpected this is the epilogue epilogo serenata del espectro the ghost serenade um so a supernatural element is introduced into the end of the suite. This is totally unexpected. We didn't see this coming. It is a very romantic idea, though. Meaning from the romantic era, they were really into the supernatural. A lot of, uh, supernatural stories and music that had supernatural themes came out of that period. So I think this might be a look into the romantic era. The, the, the harmony goes into more modern Sort of in 20th century, sort of uh, spaces, I guess, from Wagner, he moving on from Wagner, but uh, the emotions are pretty romantic here. The dead boy appears with his guitar in oh. this movement. The yeah, it's not Patrick the, Swayze, is it? It's not Patrick Swayze in <laughs> <and> Ghost, no, <laughs> although he, he would have been appropriate if he could play the guitar in this role, mm-hmm. and she would have been Demi Moore, I guess, huh? I could see that happening, could be. maybe that's where that story came from, maybe from. Maybe the writer was a pianist who played the uh, Goyescas. Hmm. it's one theory. Anyway, I shouldn't say that because then people will say, "Oh, I heard in this podcast that." <laughs> <Yeah>. this, <laughs> no, we're just we're just goofing around. Just please, goofing, yeah, please don't uh, don't quote me on that. Okay, the return of the motifs we have heard conjure up the past passion with new meanings and unexpected transformations. There's a dies ire in the bass, if you remember. The, um, by the way, if you want to be a big classical music fan, it's probably a good idea to know what the dies ire sounds like. It starts dies Irae, dies la. So dun 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 dun. Or if you want, you can go back to that, um, uh, Igor Levitt recording that we did and, uh, that, that piece that we did by that, <laughs> that was like one hour of banging on the <laughs> piano, basically. The Dies Ire, Ire is all over that, especially at the yeah. end, okay, in one of the last movements. Or you can just kind of go onto YouTube and just type in Dies Ida and you'll hear, like, monks chanting it. But that melody is important to remember because it's used to indicate death in a lot of um, instrumental music, in uh, especially in the Romantic era. Um Okay, and we hear the tolling of bells too on the piano along with the DS8 in the bass. At the end we hear the theme of the Colloquial, which was the uh second movement. Um but its power of seduction is nullified by an ending that is ultimately ironic. Uh the yeah, this it starts out like sort of tentatively with the guitar um there's passion of an unrequitable kind at around 5 minutes in this and it all ends with some upward arpeggios from the guitar like bottom end of the piano and that's the end of the suite okay and this is this is the major work of goyesca of granados's life really he had other great music too but this was like the the big work he did before he was tragically killed okay now another piece entitled goyesca is uh, track 7 El Pelele this has nothing to do with the uh previous ones now i should mention goyescas the um the first six tracks are granados's idea of if he were i guess you could say if he were goya and he were he's making this sort of like musical original painting let's say hmm. in the style of goya there's no goya painting that directly relates to any of those six movements. Okay, now, El Pelele, the seventh movement, is directly taken from an existing Goya painting by the same name. You can see it um, by just typing in El Pelele on um, Google or whatever where, you know search engine you use, and you'll see it. It's a painting of um, four girls uh, holding a sheet, and they're throwing a uh, stuffed straw doll into the air with the sheet, sort of mm. like, you know, a, it's like a game. Okay. Um let's see. This piece here is very it's very dance like. It's got like kind of a dance. Um it kind of put me in mind of one of those Alban Isaac Albanith um evocations of place in his Iberia suite. Like they're all named after a place in Spain and he'll kind of evoke that place by certain melodies and rhythms and things like that. Uh, this piece is rhythmic and catchy it's very virtuosic too so it's kind of it's a challenge to play and it's also a very enjoyable listening it's happy it's not mm-hmm. like dark like the uh the uh, goesca suite that we just heard uh Las of Rachina has the feel of this rhythm and she gets the spanish idiom as i've said before okay and then we and the 8th track we get to a piece that i've never heard before i had never heard before until this week um always nice to hear something new allegro de concierto The concierto, I guess you could say, too. I'm trying to go for the Spain, Spanish pronunciation here. Opus 46. Okay, Granados won the competition of the Madrid Conservatory with this piece in 1903. Um, The booklet says it's Chopin-inspired in its writing. Eh, I could hear elements of that. Mm. and takes the form of a sonata. I don't know that I agree with that. Well, maybe. It has two themes in the beginning. Um, But it kind of sounds more like a ternary form to me. I don't think there's a development in the middle. It's contrasting material. Unless I misheard something. I Mm. I guess I could hear it a few more times. Um, It starts out energetically with impressive um, virtuosity. Um and here we get to hear La Saracina showing impressively even scales and glittering tone in her playing of the figuration and at this point I noticed that the piano sounds a bit closer and drier with less room noise on this track so mm. I think this m- must have been recorded at a different time and place with a different engineer I didn't look it up I sh- you know but um anyway it sounds different than the uh, Goyescas do so maybe they because they knew what volume she was going to play at they kind of Move the microphones up or something. The second theme of the sonata also includes a lot of uh, figuration, but is quieter. If it is indeed a second theme, it was kind of hard to tell because a trill leads to a song-like melody over a bed of arpeggiation, and there's a dramatic rhetorical section before the opening material returns. Okay, now I heard the middle section of this as a middle section in a ternary form. I didn't hear this as a sonata. Um, the the notes say that it's a sonata, but I, I don't know anyway when you see something called Allegro de concierto it probably would indicate us and out of form I'm gonna to have to hear this a few more times what I found the middle to be
0: very much different yeah uh, you know it's
1: yeah not a development the, I didn't think no
0: yeah. because the the beginning what 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 I noticed you know just listening to this once now the the first section is quite intense and it has these kind of rollicking right hand figures right right this she's really working this figure up the, in in the right hand to the keyboard then the middle middle section is really tender and he- emotional with a really different harmonic kind of thing going on that's surprising uh, it gets and it gets intense into these outbursts and r- kind of runs and crashing mm-hmm. notes it doesn't sound related to the first theme very much and yeah. then the, in the final section it's sort of like a reverse image of the first section because now the left hand is um doing the runs that were sort of in the right hand before and the r- and the right hand is sort of chiming out the chords so I, I it didn't sort of conform to you know a sonata or some familiar structure i just saw it as three distinct kind of sections myself but hmm.
1: yeah that's how i yeah this particular one piece You know, this particular piece sounds fun to play if you've got the chops for it. Um, It must, you know, so if you're a pianist, uh, you may want to spring this on people. I think they'll enjoy it. Yeah. Okay, and so in conclusion, the Goyeskis are pretty dense and highly detailed, both on the superficial and deeper harmonic level, and definitely reward repeated listening. Um, They go far beyond the brilliant evocations of place that we usually get from composers like Albanyth, Okay. Once all of the themes which aren't all catchy enough to stick the first time are absorbed, you'll get a lot out of this. Um this is yeah, I think it's more harmonically related than melodically. Although the themes are supposed to be remembered because they all repeat and you do remember them when they come hmm. back. But you you can't necessarily hum them after you hear them the first time. They're not as catchy as that. Uh, This is also a recording to repeatedly listen to unless you decide to go for the best and listen to De La Rocha. Um, But let's give some young pianists a chance and give this a listen because it's excellent.
0: Yeah, great performance. Uh, Like I say, it's a big challenge to be on top of all the turns and twists that this music goes through. So I would say uh, excellent, interesting content. Uh, Yeah. You'll want to listen again. I would give uh somewhat lukewarm sonics experience.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not terrible. Um uh, I think they could have captured I, uh, I wouldn't even go as far as saying it's bad. I mean it's not bad. No, but it's just not just you know great. Well, we it's listened not... to a
0: lot of really good recordings. Yeah, I know, right? Hyperion like last week, things. right? So yeah, so like... a little bit disappointed in the upper register of the piano, um for whatever reason that is. But it's not un unlistenable think It's it's um yeah, it's within oh. the the enjoyable uh ballpark there, it's so. in the enjoyable yeah. ballpark <laughs> yeah. well you know it's it's terrible when there's some music that you really I have a lot of music that we've I really like we've heard one or two of them on this uh, yeah. podcast in and fact we're, we're gonna hear one later on that's a bit of a mystery too but well um, I, I know which one you're gonna talk about yeah, but yeah. I
1: don't think I think that's uh, intentional yeah, I'll I go too. into that um, yeah
0: but you know uh, it's not it's not the case where you you'll um, think that it's that distracting uh, with the sonics so yeah it was it was fun for me because the uh, first time I've heard all these together in one.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, uh, it, a really great yeah. set of works. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and last we're going to get into some uh, more singing. We have two two uh, vocal recordings this week. I try I try to keep the vocalists away uh, the, down to one per episode for us, but I know a lot of Well, um, I got. I know say, a lot of listeners. Yeah, go ahead.
0: I gotta say the first one. You know the uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, her voice because 'cause we've heard her twice, uh Maria Christian Kier. Yeah. Uh but uh, this one yeah, this one hit that soprano
1: spot <laughs> before it's it too big times. it's a mezzo yeah. soprano. She's not yeah, even old yeah bit Oh, that's a shame because so, um, I love this voice, okay? And oh, I'll get okay. into that a little bit more um, in a minute. Take it this away. This is <laughs> <for> Marianne <me. laughs> Krebasa. This is a singer I really love. And it's mostly because she did this great record with uh, the pianist uh, Fazil Say. I hope I said that right. Turkey. He's Turk, the Turkish pianist. Fazil Say or Say. Um, ah, I can't remember the name of the recording now. But it was uh, a bunch of French. Um, uh, you know chansons and things like that and they also played uh, Sy's, um uh an original work by him as well um and i just fell in love with her voice there and i really wanted to hear this one too okay this is a set of um spanish works by spanish composers and also by french composers um in the early 20th century spanish music was very popular in france it was a popular idiom and a lot of french composers wrote in the spanish style they wrote pieces in the Spanish style. The most famous um, version of this example being uh, Bizet's opera Carmen. And he was French. <laughs> so, mm. um, so, and Carmen's a, uh, an opera sung in French about uh, Spain. There are a lot of these. Uh, Barbara Seville also takes place in Spain. It was a kind of a popular thing. Okay. This program, the reason she did it's called Seguadillas, and it's on the Erato label. Um, she's accompanied by the Coeur et Orchestre National Du Capitole de Toulouse in France. And the conductor is Ben Glassberg. Hey. I think he lived next door to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a could be possible, yeah.
1: I actually didn't I should have looked up where he's from. He sounds sounds American to me. Hmm. Anyway. Andrew, while I'm talking, why don't you give him a search there? I'm curious to see where he's from.
0: Oh, I'll take a look, yeah.
1: Anyway, let me. Um, okay, the album's called Seguidillas. And a Seguidilla is a Spanish um, uh, dance form. And it's also a Castilian folk song form as well. Okay, now, Spanish and French songs. The program, Cribasa herself is French, but she's got a Spanish heritage, and this, um, she wanted to do this album because it interlinks her Spanish and French heritage, so it's kind of an identity thing with her. Um, no problem with me, I love both styles, I'm happy to hear this. Um, okay, so Seguidilla is in quick triple time, and it's for two, a dance for two people with many regional variations. Um, generally in a major key as well. Okay. I, I wrote a long definition of what a seguidilla is. Anyway, let's get into the music. We start off with uh, tracks one and two are from Bizet's Carmen. This is the most, this is recitative. And then the most famous um, aria in Carmen, um, L'amour est un oiseau rebelle, um, which everybody knows, uh, even if you don't recognize the title just give it a listen you'll recognize it immediately or or maybe not for but i'll talk about that in a minute okay the first track is just um um i, I should mention the opera Carmen by georges bizet is the uh the bread in this program's double decker sandwich because it comes it reappears in the middle and then it ends the program as well uh so you could <laughs> you can think of this this is the <laughs> The Bizet Sandwich. <laughs> the Bizet, bizet Sandwich. He, he's the bread in the sandwich in this right. one. Okay. Uh, this is an intro to the next song. And when you first hear Cribasa's voice, it has this rich low end. She sounds, even the way she's recorded, she sounds like a singer from long ago. It kind of sounds like you're listening to this voice out of a, a cleaned up Victrola. It kind of has that sort of like burnished sort of um uh amber type. Quality to it um, in in this. It's I, I found it kind of refreshing. I like her voice in general, but I think uh, the way this comes across here was to me was really interesting and compelling. Um, then we hear the have the famous aria. Okay, of all the this is the most famous piece on this entire recording, and it's the one I had the most trouble with. Unfortunately, um, this is the most fam- famous aria from Karma Car- *Carmen* it famously has a habanera rhythm. And the voice also sounds like an old radio broadcast. Uh, The pacing of this piece is deliberate and on the slow side, which allows the listener to luxuriate in the tone of the voice, sure. But as a whole, the pacing lacks momentum. And she's got to be really... Her melody kind of goes up and down. It's kind of slinky. It's supposed to be really sexy and seductive. And it doesn't sound that way. (laughs) Um, It's just too slow. Um she sings the descending mel this is Krabasa, sings these descending mel- melodic lines meltingly like um uh, the melted vowels are leaving a stain <laughs> you know on your ear or something okay uh does she achieve the sensuality this aria requires um i'd say she's in the neighborhood but i didn't feel this was entirely sexu- sexy so i didn't hear the um that 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 this this the flaming sexuality that uh this character is supposed to have and more i really spanish think fly. Yeah, there, there spanish, wasn't fly, spanish that, fly yeah there wasn't enough spanish fly or at least I, and i think i blame personally ben glassberg oh, all right now from? wait i'm okay. ready
0: he's not from brooklyn not from brooklyn no he's is british he out- and he's british from my okay. calculations uh, he's only 28 years old so wow that's uh you know, pretty impressive do you know, do you know where from this.
1: Britain he's uh, from I d-
0: no I don't just, didn't say okay where well he's, he's British he's I guess that's yeah. enough
1: though yeah he's not from Brooklyn is really no, all yeah. <laughs> he really wanted to hear <laughs> alright anyway <laughs> now you got me laughing man I don't know alright third track Manuel de Faya this is from the opera La Vida Breve a very hot passionate opera Mm. Um, please, when we say passion, we mean love and death. We don't mean like this is going to be something to listen to with your lover in bed. Uh, probably not. You might wind up being killed yeah. <laughs> by, by a by a kitchen utensil <laughs> or something. Okay. Because th- things might get out of hand. Okay. Act 1, scene 3. Aria, vivan los querien. So this is going to be a, a Spanish aria. Um this opera I've heard this once or twice, but I'm really not all that familiar with it. Um Carabasa gets the Spanishness in this piece very well, and I was really relieved to hear that. Um her turns are completely idiomatic. And the turns meaning that da 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 you know, that kind of um Turn um, melody that Spanish music has. Uh, and it has a specific Spanish quality to it, and she gets that. Uh, this is a pretty heavy, sad adia that states, Death brings the greatest solace for disappointments in love, a very romantic and 19th century era notion. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a tenor solo in this. This is uh, Stanislas de Barbie, Barbie ray I hope I said his name right. In a very clear, ringing voice. This is a really pretty voice, actually, for a tenor. I'd kind of never heard of him and I'd like to hear more of him now Uh, he sounds really good and the statement from the chorus that admits to the same okay this work is sung with the heavy passionate sadness required and it I gotta say it uh left an impression on me I was kind of like uh I guess a little shaken by this aria always a good sign okay track four Jules Massenet from the opera Don Quixote we know it as Don Quixote act one scene two the air Quand la Femme Avantan is a song by Dulcinea, and uh, When a Woman Who is 20 Years Old. <laughs> well, they're adults mm. in Japan, aren't they? Yeah. All right. There are a lot of show off opportunities in this aria for Krebasa, who absolutely delivers, I thought, there's a plushness to the orchestration that shows the voice in its best light so if you really want to judge Krebasa's voice this is really probably the best piece on this recording to do that in because I think she's shown off in her her best qualities are shown off in this piece uh, Messinae must have really loved whoever the soprano was who originally sang this because he gave her a lot of <laughs> ways to shine um, there are vocalese elements and uh, they. And uh, Krabasa characterizes this role well. In the aria, the character Dulcinea is 20 years old and loves being feted during the day. But at night, oh, what a lo- lonely life she leads. I wouldn't wish that on any woman. Never mind a princess.
0: There's a few I might and, wish it on. And I'm here on, to help, but, I just you want know, to say. Hmm? You know, there's a few I might wish it on, but... <laughs>
1: We We're really are getting crusty past. in our old age, are we not? <laughs> <laughs> Boy. What's <laughs> that hmm. Bill Bird joke? You, know, you, you say, oh, you know, you're 20 years old. You ah, I probably shouldn't say that. It might make people mad. And then when you, once you're 50, you say, yeah, say it. See what happens. Yeah. See you what know? happens. <laughs> I right. like what I like is when they say, you can't
0: say that. Yes, I can. And I'll say it again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. oh, man. All right, now the, the next um, one, two, three, four, four pieces are were a real find for me. This is the first time I have ever heard these by Jesus Guridi. I didn't even hear, he, know this guy's name before. Jesus Guridi. This is mm. from his Se Canciones Castellanas, um, and we don't get all six of them. We only get four. And why? Why couldn't she just put through the other two? I'm a little disappointed by that. Mm. Because this is new music for me. I would have liked to have heard the entire set. Anyway, number one. A La Arriba en Aquella Montaña. Okay. this These were all accompanied by piano, and that's Alphonse Semin, um Providing the uh, piano uh, duties here. Uh, the piece's title means Up There on That Mountain. Okay. Um, I enjoy Kiribasa best in this element, actually, with the piano. I I think uh, her—because you can hear more of her voice. You know, the orchestra isn't really kind of framing it, sort of. Mm -hmm. So the piano kind of leaves her a little more um, um, exposed. And she's got a great voice, so there's no issue there. Uh, The works are all folk-like in this suite, and they have a lot of what we think of as Spanish tinges. To the melody and the piano line too, and saman the he his role is really important here too, and he characterizes that spanish um melodic quality well at the piano um this song this song is the first song here is about how the woman wants a ploughman, a ploughman, not a miller as a lover. make of that what you will, all mm. right it sounds like a
0: blues song, yeah, it could be,
1: <laughs> okay, I guess the ploughman is uh stronger or something. I don't know. And mm-hmm. know. Jesus Gritti, next piece is number four. So we, we don't hear um num- track um songs two and three in this set. But we skip ahead to number four. No cuero tus avellanas. Um, meaning, I don't want your hazelnuts. Hmm. <laughs> I think that exact line has been said to me in the past. Um, <laughs> 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 Whoa. Yeah. It's a very pretty tune, though, with a quiet piano opening. Uh, This slow and rather sad song laments that the singer's lover's words have proven to be false. I like the singing and all the space and pauses in this piece. It's very beautiful.
0: Maybe that's what I'll get my uh, wife for Valentine's Day, some hazelnuts.
1: No, that'd be nice.
0: I don't know. Does she like chocolates, though? Hmm. Yeah, Yeah, she likes chocolates, yeah
1: yeah that's I remember chocolate covered hazelnuts well the thing is in Japan though as you know we should probably educate the world in this too um Valentine's Day is a day for (laughs) for women (laughs) to buy men chocolates yeah women buy men chocolates and it's called um Giddy Choco right it's kind of you have you have to do it for colleagues and things yeah for colleagues and things but the thing is don't you know all the all the men who received women from chocolate are now required to return the gesture a month later on white day, day. which is on, uh, I guess, March 14th. It's a month, exactly a month later, right? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I think so. It's
0: another conspiracy, just like Valentine's day was a conspiracy. They've got a double conspiracy in Japan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also they're, they're very shy people. So you're not going to see much romantic chocolate giving here. Yeah. This, everybody here is very shy. Yeah. That just way. think
0: about that. You know, you make another mm. holiday to make up for the other holiday. What a scam. <laughs> well, they just want to sell more chocolate. The <laughs> yeah, chocolate exactly. companies
1: came up with White Day. That's, that's yeah, their yeah. invention, exactly, yeah. you know? I don't know. Anyway, back to Jesus Goody yes. <laughs> if you, If you remember, we were talking about uh, Marianne Crabasa's. <laughs> the hazelnuts, threw things, <laughs> the hazelnuts the threw things off the track. The hazelnuts threw things off the track. Boy. Okay. So, we're up to uh, number five of the four <laughs> that we hear here, because we skipped two and three. Uh, Como quieres que adivine, which means uh, how do you want me to guess. In this one, the piano playing plays rocking chords. It's a happy song. Rocking back and forth, like a kind of two chords going back and forth. A happy song about a singer thinking of and anticipating her lover. Nice feelings and uh, the last uh, of this, this set uh, Mañanita de San Juan um, this is a slow tune uh, the morning of the festival of St. John is what it means in these you can hear cabasa's fantastic control of the balance of the melodic line good technique, beautiful phrasing uh, the tempo picks up for the second verse with a chiming bell's repeated notes effect at the piano and gorgeous songs that I've heard for the first time and I'm glad I discovered these I, I'd like to hear the other two so that's a highlight of this album by the way those four songs make sure you hear them next Jules Massenet again Nuit d'Espagne uh this is arranged for voice and guitar by G- Gabriel Bianco and it features a guitarist we've recently heard on the um Asa guitar album this is Thibault Garcia again and we loved his playing on that album and we love it here too um it's a nice change of texture uh from the piano his tone is very light for this heavy voice, though. Um, I, th- I think it, he, he sounded really nice with, um, the counter tenor on that. Asa, mm. That was Philippe Jaruski on the, um, Asa Guitar album. But here, Krebasa has a heavier voice than Jaruski does, mm. <laughs> which is kind of odd to think about. But, uh, she'll, she, she, she kind of, he, he's her, he's audible throughout, but, um, I think there's kind of a, The the balance might have been, you know, achieved by mic placement rather than, you know, in the concert hall. I'm not sure about that. Um, Kribas's voice is kind of middle heavy. I mean, it's certainly not like Lise Davidson's voice, which is like just super projection. Okay. I think of, um, Thibault Garcia could have been recorded closer probably, but he, you can still hear him. The guitar cooks are really, the guitar hooks, sorry, are really appealing in this piece. And, uh, Krebassa is in her Spanish element in this French language song. Okay. So we are now at the middle of the recording and we arrive at, uh, the middle piece of bread. Georges Bizet from the opera Carmen. Act one, scene 10. Seguidilla et duo près de Rampart de Seville. And this is a duet between Carmen and Don Jose. Um, The separating piece of bread. Okay, and the bread, this double-decker sandwich. Back to Carmen. This one is in three. Three, four, I guess, or six, eight. I'm not sure. It's another well-known aria. Uh, This one moves a bit more freely than the opening. Uh, There's an appearance by Don Jose, rich and full voice by, again, Stanislaus de Barbare. Barbare. I don't know how to say this name. Okay, there's something very deliberate and studied about Krebassa's singing, that takes the passionate heat of Carmen's character away. I wonder if she's shrinking away from the. You know, I mean, this this is one of these iconic operatic characters, Carmen. Every soprano, every mezzo, she is written for mezzo, wants to sing this role because it's very passionate. It's very women's power kind of. Um, this kind of thing and they all want to sing it and I wonder if she's just shying away from the the greatness of the role okay because I again I feel like she's kind of holding back in this piece Mm. like there's something not coming across anyway next we get to Camille Saint-Saëns El Desdichado again Saint-Saëns like a lot of French composers wrote Spanish themed works occasionally El Desdichado is the unhappy one and uh this is a duet with two women, and the other soprano is Adriana Gonzalez. It's a nice piece. I liked it. But I was really anticipating the next five works by Federico Mompo, one of my favorite composers. He's really well known for his piano miniatures. They're just beautifully harmonized. Mm. And I was very, I had never heard any of his songs, and here they were. And I really wanted to hear these. Um, these are called uh, Combat de Somni, which means fighting sleep. The language is Catalan. It's not Spanish, Catalan. The first one is called "Damunt de tu nomes les flors," and I don't know anything about Catalan, so I'm just going to say these the way I think they're pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> right. Above you, only the flowers—a kind of a sad theme. So this person is probably dead, and it is indeed a death-haunted, sorrowful tune by Mompo, Not as I imagined him. I imagined him as being much lighter than this. It's also orchestral. I. I was expecting a piano here, but mm. it's an orchestra work with a soprano. Uh, Crabassa sings this beautifully with heavy tone that brings more to the sadness. And she brings the sadness in this piece. Next one is um, number two. A nit Aquestani- Un mat- mate Vent, The Same Wind Tonight. Another slow, mysterious piece. They're kind of romantic sounding, surprising for Mampo, because I generally think of him as being like, almost like sounding French. But in his orchestration, he's more romantic. It's kind of interesting. Number three, Yo e presentia com la mar, I sensed you like the sea. Uh, This one moves a bit faster, and these texts are kind of abstract, so it's hard to judge the singer's emotion. They're kind of, I can see why Mampo would be attracted to them, but he's not really writing in his usual kind of like, you know, m- m- you know, sort of um, gently tinged kind of like, well, the piano style is like that. Mm. And his orchestration is a little different. It all comes with the Montpeau mystery that you hear in the piano pieces, though. You do hear that mystery in this. Okay, number four. Fais-me la vida transparente. Make my life transparent. There are a lot of strings in Montpeau's accompaniment here. This piece rises to an emotional moment, but it mostly hovers around a darker, unresolved and unsure timbre and harmony. And the last of these is, um, number five, Ara Noce sé si Vague Encar. Now, I don't know if I see you yet. This particular one has, like, a Debussy, Pelleas, and Melisande quality to it. But the soprano sings it rather than kind of, like, does Debussy's sort of, like, almost quasi-speaking sort of, um, type of delivery. Um, Carbassa moves between the styles well. Uh, The ebbing and flowing of the music also reminds me of a French piece in this case. So I don't know. I wasn't really all too taken by these five pieces, even though I love Mompeau's music. I'd probably have to hear them a few more times. Track 17, Maurice Ravel, another pianist, another um, composer I love. This is from his Chant Populaire. He did like one song of five songs in all different languages from Europe. I believe. And this first one is uh, Chanson Español. And it's sung in Galician. The piano accompaniment. There's a piano accompaniment in this one. And, of course, it's by Ravel, so it's just really magical. Um, This is a very appealing uh, rendition of this beautifully arranged song. I'd love to hear Cabasa sing all of these. They're all in different languages. It's very catchy, this one as well. So, um, beautiful um, piano writing as well. Uh, Track 18, Manuel de Faya from 3 melodies this is the third one called seguidilla uh this has a piano in it and uh it is ornate in its ornamentation and has sp- fantastic spanish inflections from crebassa um the piano accompaniment is full of fire and spanish inflection this was a highlight for me track 18 manuel de faya seguidilla track 19 is jacques offenbach who we know from his uh uh operettas and can-can melodies uh, uh, rhythms uh, from the opera La Perichol uh, this first one is from Act 1 and it's a duo Le Conquerant dit à la jeune Indienne The Conqueror said to the young Indian hmm Um, this has a tenor in it Stanislas de Barbire again and he's Piquillo and Carbasse is La Perichol they sing well together Um, and then we get the um Seguidia uh, from the same opera, Act One, vous des di souvent. Okay, you have said often. Um, this has a real Offenbach French theater quality to it. It really doesn't sound Spanish at all. Uh, it's almost in the opera buffa tradition, combined with can-can music. Mm. We, we're familiar with Offenbach's very light uh, style. Now, I was thinking of in this one, oh, I didn't write her name down. The, remember that when we did the woman with the the sweater. Uh, the soprano. Oh right, right. Yeah, turtlenecks and
0: the uh, turtleneck boats one, and stuff. Yeah,
1: that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. She would have been amazing in this. She's really good mm. at, at this type because she has the light voice for it. Crebassa is very French sounding, but again, her voice is a lot heavier, and the piece has a sense of fun. And I feel like uh, when you have like a heavier voice like Crebassa, you don't really get that sense of being a, f- a fun person, you know, in your singing. It sounds more like weighty, you mm. know, like there's going to be something really serious statement stated here. Um, she's flexible enough for this music, but a lighter voice would be better here. It, it but she's great here. I can't complain about her. I'm just talking about my preferences. Okay. Track 21. Again, Maurice Ravel from the opera Le Espagnol. We had to have something from this, right? Uh, this is the air au oh, la pitoyable aventure. It's in French, uh, by the character Concepcion. Uh, this kind of goes on to the next, um, piece, but they've, um, they had, um, an ending has been added to this one, arranged by Romain Dumas. Uh, Carbassa's rather comic lament at the unmanliness of the men in the opera has some sonic highlights as she lets her high range ring out in exasperation. Excellent interpretation and sound. And then track 22 we end with our last piece of bread Georges Bizet from the opera Carmen uh chanson bohème. le tringle de cistre tinté avec un éclat métallique wow the éclat is one of my favorite uh french words it's like a like a i guess a sharp sound or something like that or like a sudden strike or something like that when when lightning strikes they use the word a eclat for that so mm-hmm. I don't know okay and this is sung by three well a mezzo soprano and two sopranos carmen Frasquita, and mercedes um let's see we end as we began with carmen the other very famous song in the opera uh the accompanying singers in this are celine laborie and mezzo victoire bunel uh this goes at a good pace and yet again, I'm not sure that Krabasa has the smoldering passion for Carmen. Mm. She has the voice for it. Um, I want to hear more passion out of her. She's, she's probably going to play this role one day, if she hasn't already. Um, and if she's going to record it, I'd be curious to see if she gets that passion. Okay, so in conclusion, this is an album of mostly highs with some dips. All of the dips are in the Carmen <laughs> Unfortunately <laughs> for me. Um, overall, it's excellent, especially if you like the singer as I do. It's quite a collection of Spanish themes, both Spanish and French and the Montpau and Guridi songs are a real find.
0: Yeah, this isn't my thing, as <laughs> listeners mm. have probably picked up by now. Yeah, no worries. The uh, whole thing of uh, soprano. But I have to say the material is kind of uh, – the program was what uh, made it uh, – more enjoyable than uh, a complete you know sort of opera or something for me Uh, there's a lot of variety here I liked uh, I was intrigued by the Mompo although it it was different from what I expected mainly knowing his piano works but I like some of the other works uh, as well and uh, you get the variety of uh, you know instrumentation some guitar uh, orchestra uh, different kinds of backing and uh, keeping with the Spanish theme but in a Variety of sort of scenes and scapes uh, there. So, yeah, uh, interesting program for this one, I thought.
1: And one more thing, if you are interested, if you don't know the music of Federico Mompo, he wrote mostly piano miniatures. See if you can find a collection of uh, his works entitled Cancion y Danza, so Songs and Dances. Cancion y Danza. They're so beautiful. I just love them.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. And I am hanging up my uh, earphones <laughs> for the night. Well, not quite, but as far as You're gonna the going to check music, out on me, I'm not going to check out on you, but I'm checking out on my my kind of research end here.
0: All right, we're going to go to the jazz side of now. Things. I'm just going to
1: comment. <laughs> yeah, just comment.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, we've we've been you know saying we're going to do uh, a Spanish or Latin theme episode, uh, you know, for a while. Uh, of course, there's always some, you know, Latin music, Spanish music, special, especially Afro-Cuban has had a big influence on jazz along with, you know, Brazilian music. And so um, there's always a lot of things bouncing around. But tonight I've got um, three kind of unique ones, I think. And we're going to start out right in Spain with the young Spanish sensation, uh, Andrea Motis, who is uh, a young trumpeter and vocalist from barcelona uh who also uh sings in her i assume native uh, catalan spanish and portuguese and english yeah and mm-hmm. the sensation she is man yeah. boy this was really something um, that the problem though um i find you know her her vocals are rather more kind of instrumental like uh hmm. In uh, in other words, they're more sort of um, focusing on tone and uh, flow rather than enunciation. So even when no. she's singing in English, I have a hard time making out what she's saying. <laughs> and then when I have to decide what language is this in this song, it's a little difficult for me. Um, anyway, uh, she's only in her uh, mid-20s or so, but she uh, uh, became a star on the Spanish jazz scene. And um, she also composes uh, most of the music on this recording here. And this is a collaboration with the uh, WDR uh, German big band, uh, big band Cologne, uh, that was recorded last year called Colors and Shadows on the uh, Jazz Line label. It came out in November, so I've had it sitting around for a while. And uh, part of the charm is the arrangements of the tunes. Uh, And those were done by uh, Mike Mossman. And uh, so it's a overall, uh, you can say, Latin music uh, oriented, uh, focusing on Spanish. Also, uh, a lot of kind of Brazilian uh, music here. And uh, so Motisse gets to show off her trumpet skills, but uh, especially her singing. uh, that's kind of uh, enchanting. And um, so we start out. a tune an original motif tune uh, i didn't tell them why uh, this one uh, starts with a little drum intro and then you've got this great big band one of the best uh, big bands in europe and maybe around the world too uh, the band comes in swinging bigly i'm going to take that trump word because it it describes the sound it, of it works band well for really well. music yeah. doesn't it yeah yeah and then in contrast to the you know this thick big band, Motisse, comes in with the breezy vocals over this kind of stop-time uh, Latin rhythm. Uh, and so this one's in English, uh, as the title suggests. Uh, she switches over to the trumpet after a verse, and she gives us uh, a little solo there. The rhythm changes up uh, mid-solo uh, to swing rhythm, and she just uh, adjusts to that and follows along. Now, as a trumpet player, uh, she's... Not a chops player, so, you know, she's not going to be doing dazzling pyrotechnics, uh, but uh, she has a very melodic concept. You know, think Chet Baker, uh, these kind of melodic players. uh, And so she stays in the warmer uh, middle register mostly, and uh, her solos have a nice melodic arc uh, to them. Uh, She always resolves her ideas and stitches things together nicely. Uh, then after that, uh, she gets a scat section, uh, that goes along with the saxes. Uh, so, you know, her vocals are sort of vocalizing with what the saxes are doing. Uh, and that counters, uh, with, uh, what the brasses are doing, uh, against that with kind of hits. There's a bass solo in here, then kind of like a mambo rhythm section, uh, that's introduced by piano follows. And, uh, there's another trumpet solo. I don't think this is her, um. There's some different trumpet on this album. Uh, I think this must be one of the uh, band members because it's a completely different kind of uh, tone, and it's up in the higher register. Uh, And there's some also really fine brass arranging going on there. And then it comes back to a final verse that she sings. It's a very nice arrangement with a lot of variety and uh, shows off um, her singing and trumpet skills well.
1: Would you think of that as a as a scat? I kind of had a vocalese written down. Yeah, for her. vocalese. She's really just kind of yeah, humming. It's not, you know, it's, it's kind
0: of not. There's no lyrics. She's just vocalizing yeah. with the sax section, I guess. So it's not right, really. A... She's not scatting. She's no, like no, saying, she's not like sound. Yeah, like, improvising. Yeah, just, yeah. just sound with the
1: sax. Syllabic so so. thing. She's not doing that. Okay. Uh,
0: next, we've got a tune uh, Tabacaria, and this is uh, not an original by her. It's uh, Fernando Peosa, uh Juan Mar Sánque. Um, This starts out with a uh, kind of schizophrenic alternating rhythm uh, introduction. The beat settles into a samba, creates a nice drive, and I hear, I think, Montice is singing in Portuguese, uh, which she gets a very uh, seductive spoken section over, uh, and uh, the beat fades away to some piano, comes back uh, with a nice tight trombone section that works against uh, what the saxes are doing. Matisse has another trumpet solo. There's an alto sax solo, and she comes back to sing the final verse. Uh, and there's great band arranging, filling in uh, the lyrical gaps with uh, punchy horn figures. You know, so you get a good arranger. He's going to really, you know, fill in, you know, what's going on with the vocals with attractive lines and use the different colors of the big band well. And that's done really well uh, in this tune. Uh, and we got a uh, nice little uh, arrangement for number three, uh, Signor Blues by Horace Silver. uh, Oh, nice. Which I've played this, you know, before it's an instrumental tune. They had a great uh, original uh, horn arrangement too. And now this is stretched out uh, for a big band. It's got a really uh, interesting original intro, you know, before you recognize the tune. Uh, It's got all these stacked horn parts and guitar. Uh, And then the familiar rhythm, you know, the, you, if you know this original tune, you know, Horace silver, his trademark is his rhythmic sort of, uh, playing in his left hand and what he does uh, with chords and things. So that comes in and it's done with like bass clarinet and flutes here. So, you know, the, this is a big band where they double up on the woodwind instruments. And so it's always cool to have bass clarinet in something. Um, Maltese comes in on now. So this, I don't know when, uh, lyrics were made for this tune. Uh, you know, must be after uh, Horace Silver, so maybe the first jazz singer who decided to uh, make a vocal version of it. Uh, so this is in English, um, and uh, she comes in uh, singing with uh, brass backing and a real heavy swing feel, uh, and then
1: cool a bass clarinet solo. <laughs> That's always great. Uh, That's you... so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time a bass clarinet appears, I'm yeah. just kind of really happy.
0: So she gets a trumpet solo, uh, which she keeps simple and bluesy uh, and comes back right away without much gap at all to the vocals. Uh, They build up, backed up by the trumpets, then trombones, and uh, there's a cool interlude with saxes and muted trumpets, uh, that it's very rhythmic. Uh, Next we get a different trumpet, Uh, I don't know, maybe this is her again, it's a bluesy muted solo, and uh, then there's a rhythmic and bluesy piano. Uh, solo as well the band builds it up around the trombone solo Uh, they get some added percussion then the whole band comes to a swing out section with some screaming trumpets and then uh, Motisse sings out the last verse Uh, they really stretch this out up to nine and a half minutes but it's a engaging arrangement uh of a great horse silver tune Uh, then we get um Track four, uh, this is by Andrea Motis herself, also credit to Sergio Car- Car- Karkowski, uh, Brisa, which I guess would mean breeze in Portuguese or Spanish. This is an up-tempo samba beat. Uh, here, uh, again, we get uh, some vocalizations along with the instrumentals uh, uh, sections by Motis. Uh, and then she sings this one uh, energetically. I think this one's in Portuguese. Uh, she gets yeah, a little more I got Portuguese yeah, yeah animated trumpet solo on this one uh, and next our energetic trombone solo as well then there's a, a woodwind uh kind of sectional solo solely featuring flutes uh punctuated by cool brass lines and then motissa's back uh, to the vocals and the band uh, vocalizes behind her uh, keeping the spirit right up to the end so it's a very kind of energetic uh, samba type thing uh then i think uh what do we have here five oh yeah i think this might be the highlight of uh the album here uh hmm. this is uh her original sensei pressa and um this one's in uh i believe catalan uh the vocals here uh it's kind of it the the theme here i think reminds me of kind of like um something like Vince Guaraldi, you know, like, uh, his mm-hmm. composition, uh, the lush harmonies. Uh, it's really beautiful. Uh, haunting wind intro with brass again, nice bass clarinet in there. There's a nylon string guitar that gets a little highlight space. There's a lot going on in this arrangement builds in layers and falls back, uh, with the guitar coming in again. And Motisse, uh, has uh, very thick and breezy at the same time vocals. Um, through the lush arrangement, uh, there's an extended guitar solo and, uh, Motis gets a lyrical trumpet solo, uh, before coming back to sing. It's a very pretty, uh, melody and also arrangement. Uh, next we've got, um, I am not sure how to say it. I think it's, this is a, uh, by, uh, and Barbosa is a famous uh, Brazilian samba composer. It's a kind of easy flowing samba uh, beat. Features, uh, uh, it might, I think it might be a bass trombone solo, uh, and really nice snaking horn and flute lines. Uh, Montice's vocals are great here. Uh, She gets a rhythmic lilt in just the right spots that carries the vocals over the rhythm. Uh, There's a really passionate uh, tenor sex solo uh, here before uh, she comes back with the final verse. Uh, Then we've got um, another tune by Motisse and Karkowski, Sombra de La. It's a nice intro build-up until the beat gets established uh, and Motisse comes in with the vocal. Uh, There's some nice harmonic changes in the verse um uh, a piano solo here uh she gets another uh trumpet solo on this one uh, a nice kind of uh instrumental soli section with flutes and muted trumpets before a uh, very nice breathy flute solo and another band interlude and then a nylon string guitar solo before the last vocal verse so uh, really uh well worked out arrangement with a lot of variety uh Next, another Motisse original, Save the Orangutan. This one is kind of a a fun tune. It's got this kind of fun, bouncy riff uh, in the bass and piano. It gets built up in the trombones and then stacked with uh, sax and trumpet lines. The main melody goes through uh, sections led by trumpet and then passed through the band sections. Um, uh, There's a trumpet solo here. I don't think this is Motisse. I think it's one of the band uh, members. Uh, then a trombone solo. There's a break and a really dirty tenor sax solo, uh, mm-hmm. gets out some angst filled, uh, sounds. <laughs> uh, and it's, the solo is fed by these great band lines and, uh, hits from the rhythm section. Then a swinging sax sectional comes off from that into a drum solo. Then the main melody repeats and, uh, they stretch it out with some kind of fermata's holds at the end to a dramatic finish. So, uh, yeah, this is yeah. Uh, instrumental, but uh, her original tune, so that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, and I'd say that the uh, orangutan was saved at the end, just judging by the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the way it went. <laughs> I, I don't think they had a bushmeat dinner Yeah, Bre- <laughs> uh,
0: And then uh, we've got a uh, another motifs original in English. Uh, if you give them more, this gets a uh, sweeping sax and trumpet lines uh, that bring in... Uh, slower tunes pretty melody again here she's singing in English it's hard for me to make out the words I have to uh, (laughs) admit it's hard to find the lyrics for this album anywhere online too Um, the melody has a lot of range and interval jumps uh, and that helps uh, Motis bring out the emotion uh, in it Uh, it's kind of unique melody I thought uh, There's a sweet alto sax solo on this one, a nice band uh, interlude arrangement before the final verse, and the final chord leaves some uh, tension uh, left not quite resolved, uh, and it's another richly layered arrangement. And uh, then we finish with a tune uh, written by the arranger for the album, uh, I assume dedicated to her. So this is Michael Mossman's Motis Operandi, little play on uh, Latin and Spanish there. This is a instrumental swinging tune that features the trumpets. Uh, It starts off giving the band uh, some time to have fun before an extended trumpet solo. Uh, Then there's a swinging band interlude with some muted trumpets. Then I think next is motifs on trumpet, and next up there's a cup muted trumpet. Well, this this trumpet has some serious spit in the tone. (laughs) This is like a (laughs) you know uh, I don't know. Uh, And then there's another trumpet solo, a different player yet uh, coming out of, you know, full power uh, in a real uh, Latin trumpet style. Uh, Then the whole band swings out with some time for drum fills. There's another uh, trumpet short solo spot uh, as it comes to a swinging end. Um, So um, it's a fun album with a lot of variety. Uh, Motisse has an easy, you know, warm trumpet style as I said she's not real technician but she's melodic uh, and a nice uh, thick uh, warm sound uh, her vocals are very attractive in any language that she sings in nice phrasing uh, they're breathy, but not thin. Uh, there's a nice warmth to her voice and she, uh, seems to get the right, uh, kind of emotional push and emphasis. Uh, there's a, there's a little bit of warmth, there's a little bit of sexiness, and, uh, it's just a voice you want to keep listening to. And then the band arrangements are awesome. The tunes are all fun. There's variety and you got to, you know, really killer big band here. So it's a nice combination, uh, Takes you through a variety of Latin music styles, touching on blues and other things too. So, check it hey, out. You
1: got a real samba party here. Yeah. Um, I especially like this voice. I think it suits the uh, Brazilian bossa nova style best. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all good, like you said, but th- th- those were really evocative for me. I'm always amazed at how, like, bossa nova evokes the beach yeah. and just chases all your cares away. Yeah. You know, you hear like a bossa nova, it's kind of, yeah. you know, so well, I Interestingly, feel like this, I feel like those tunes took all the knots out of my back. <laughs> I check, checked out, you
0: know, some of her videos on YouTube and um, there's tons of comments. Uh, it's all from Brazilians. Like, we love you. Come to Brazil. We love you. Yeah, of so course. Yeah. I think yeah. she's got a lot of uh, Brazilian fans. I, I can see why. Yeah. I mean, oh, sure. those, those yeah. are the
1: most appealing pieces to me, really. Yeah. Ooh. That's great to hear.
0: Yeah. Uh, she's mm. got a really endearing voice. Uh, so we're going to jump from Spain uh, to some of the Shoots from the roots of Spanish music into the new world. And uh, first, mm. we're going to go direct to Cuba yeah. with uh, some Afro Cuban uh, 16 Reyes, the Orchestra Acocan Yeah. Which I guess uh, has different meanings, but also can be from the heart. Yes, um, that's what I got. Yoruba. It's in the Yoruba, yeah, Yoruba language. Yoruba, which is, I guess, a kind of chant, too. So this is a a multi-generational big band uh, composed of top musicians from uh, Cuba, both Cuba and New York uh, the sound concept they have is sort of like a, um, uh, a revived sound of the golden Cuban music mambo era from the 1940s yeah. uh, so you get some rumba, song, tumbao, cha-cha, uh, mixed you know, with the inevitable influence of uh, more modern uh, fusions of Latin jazz. And yeah, so the the album title is uh, from a Yoruba legend about the sun's rays uh, like that. Um, So it's a very much Cuban uh, kind of concept here. And uh, well, for better or worse, we alluded to this earlier, Yeah, The the sound of the album, I think it's mono. If this is recorded in stereo, there's not much separation here. Yeah. And uh, it has that, it it sounds as if it could have been recorded in the 40s. Um, So I think. Without all the static and stuff, everything is clear at least. Yeah, it's very clear. But um, it has some sort of stamp on the uh, sound production, Uh, like they're trying to capture, you know, how that um, original kind of.
1: I think they're trying to capture the the experience they had listening to listening records. To the like albums. They thought it yeah. was like excitement. Sure. I, I think they did this for the same reason that people like listening to rock music or jazz on vinyl records. Yeah, sure. Because you know, it kind of gives them that that warm and there's a little static where you're anticipating the... Uh, the the sound coming yeah, out yeah. the speaker, you know, that in, sort of in, thing Whereas on a CD it just starts, you know, you just kind of like thrown into it. Yeah. yeah. In the um, 90s I, in the
0: in mm-hmm. the sort of neo revival swing phase that came out uh the the I think the best band of that was into that was um, Royal Crown and oh, I remember uh, them. yeah. So and they, I know they did think they went and they recorded with all like period ribbon microphones. And things. Yeah. It's the same thing, trying to catch the ambiance that you would have heard hearing that
1: original music. So Yeah, but, but nevertheless, another the big recording that came out in the nineties was the Buena Vista Social Club recording with all the old Cuban musicians. Right. right. And that was recorded in completely modern sound. Yeah, they didn't yeah. you know they they still had that old sound, but you right. you heard it all so cleanly and it's I I don't see why you just don't go for that. Um another person who does this sort of thing is uh Catherine Russell. Um when she uh her instrumentalists sound like they just stepped out of the 1930s oh, yeah. and 40s, yet the sound quality of the recordings is absolutely modern day. And it's fascinating. It's like you've stepped back into the past. I would prefer to step back into the nightclub and hear the sound as you would have heard it in the nightclub rather than hearing this record sound.
0: Yeah, yeah. I do t- you know? t- t- that, Like you say, mm-hmm. and we're expecting a new recording from Catherine Russell. What I put her wonderful sound down to, I mean, uh, not... Talking about her, but the the musicians, I'm always awed that she was able to find and that there are, you know, present day younger musicians who can still play with that authentic 20s kind of jazz concept, especially like on trumpet and, you know, like that they can still get that cotton club kind of uh, sound to it. Uh, And when you hear that in crystal clear modern recording, it's like you're there in the club. Um, All right. so anyway. i prefer
1: that to hearing the like like yeah. i'm listening to an old record like we get yeah. here another thing about this um these are really songs they were just popular dance club songs of the day i don't so it counts as adult but i don't know if this accounts as jazz for us what do you think well you know what i think you had a kind of a
0: symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. from what i hear from reading uh you know, the writings and listening to interviews of uh, Cuban musicians like uh, Paquito de Rivera. And um, so the, the to the Cubans who were kind of, I guess like jazz records were banned in Cuban. Yeah. But so they tried to get these records and they were listening, you know, to what was going on in America. And they were inspired by the improvisations and freeness of jazz. And so they started to incorporate and copy the great jazz players on their instruments. And then Hmm. the uh, Cubans and other uh, Latino musicians who made it into the US got involved in the jazz scene. And, you know, right back from uh, the bebop era, you had, uh, what was it, Chano Puzo, the uh, Hmm. conga player with Dizzy Gillespie. And so you had that sort of uh, Afro-Cuban influence, you know, right into bebop. Um, And so I think the the jazz Latin music, you know, right from the bebop era was see, uh, yeah. trading ideas. And so you wouldn't call this jazz music, but it's, you know, it's improvisational and uh, incorporating. I think they take the spontaneous nature and phrasing of jazz music and play that over uh, the Latin rhythms. And, uh, you know, so. I see. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And it gets into one of those classification kind of things, you know. Uh, anyway, we start out uh, with a tune here. Uh, what is it? Called? Mi conga is de My conga is from Akokan. So yeah. uh, one of the things that, that makes this album really fun is like the arrangements. Uh, yeah. They're, they're really it, cool and surprising. They've uh, got every, and everything in the kitchen sink quality yeah. to them. So this gets us uh, stacking horn lines uh, into kind of... Uh, a percussion groove to get things started. Uh, this features the main vocalist, uh, Jose Pepito Gomez, uh, who's got real exciting vocals, uh, band call and response, uh, with vocals, uh, to the main vocal over conga, uh, mambo type rhythms. Uh, there's a nice trumpet solo, uh, here over the conga too. Uh, there's some break, uh, for the vocals only to build the tension, uh, and keep it going and stay, uh, hot to the end. So, uh, it's a nice, uh, beginning piece. Uh, let's
1: see the second one. Uh, what is we should mention one? these are all original pieces, by the way. They're not, uh, no covers here.
0: Yeah. They're all original ones. Right. So the yeah. second piece, uh, what would this be? The 4th of October, I guess. Uh, yeah. They say four in Spanish. I forgot. Quattro. Quattro, yeah. Quattro de Octubre. Hmm. Uh, starts with a solo kind of rumba chant by uh, Pedro Francisco Almeida Barria. Uh, so it's a kind of chanting rather than, uh, you know, lyrical vocal. We get some horn percussion interplay with some piano filling in the rhythmic gaps. Uh, there's a percussion breakdown uh, with some more chanting. Uh, and it's kind of filled in with berry Sax which is really cool uh, before more horns uh, flow through with uh, longer lines. The final section features more spirited uh, call and response vocals between burial and the band over conga with syncopated horn lines repeating the riffs. uh, So it really builds up and uh, gets infectious. Uh, Let's see, track three, uh, Warjira del Mar. And I guess uh, Warjira... I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's kind of a, a Cuban peasant dance tune, but it can also have the meaning of like a country girl or woman. So it, yeah.
1: it's like a double meaning word. Uh, this is a slow ballad. Th- that happens a lot in Spanish, by the way. Like, yeah. it's, it's It means a country girl, but it also means a kind of song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always wonder yeah, how, how those things meanings, go together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's
0: a slow ballad um, with uh, guitar, guitar, uh, Strings in here, too, and strings. And uh, the strings, you, you, I'm always wondering what strings add to you know, different styles of music. But here, they add a really nice push to the sexy melody of this tune. Uh, midway through, the rhythm breaks up for an interlude of horn hits, and it comes back uh, with more kind of percussive emphasis. And there's a really uh, slinky trombone solo in the final verse uh, as well. And then on this album, there's these two short kind of curious uh, interlude pieces. So this is interludio number one, which is uh, just a short kind of percussion and horn interlude that has these descending lines, like maybe a palate cleanse or something. Mm. Uh, We get to uh, track five, El Inflador. This is a mambo that really makes you want to get up and dance. Uh, The horn arrangement's great. Uh, There's great uh, modulation in the melody uh, before it goes through this descending pattern. There's a great uh, vocal breakdown in the middle. It starts over uh, the bass and builds up, uh, leads into some nice brass and percussion arrangements.
1: Yeah, this is a really dancey album, I should say. Uh, uh, It really does have a lot of that kind of dance energy to it.
0: Yeah, almost every track gets you moving in some uh, direction. Uh, track six, Fiebre de Mambo, Mambo Fever, starts mm. with some crazy, very crazy guitar.
1: <laughs> uh, it's got some, yeah, there's some effect on that that kind of makes yeah. it sound psychedelic. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. It's, it starts out of tune, too, like purposely.
0: Yeah. Um uh, And then, uh, it breaks into a huge Mambo riff that gets stacked up with interlocking horn parts and screaming trumpets. Uh. The call and response kind of rhythmic vocal verses come over that riff and they get separated by these little horn and percussion interludes. Uh, the crazy guitar is back for some uh, harmonically and intonationally, is that a word, <laughs> uh, out there soloing. <laughs> it's, uh, um, maybe that's the see, fever in the title. I watched a couple of their videos. <laughs> I mean, he's playing a sort of like a, on a, a nylon string guitar with a pickup right. and maybe some effect too uh it's it's very unique sound um and there's a really exciting horn arrangement uh
1: that takes the tune out yeah i think this is the only track we hear that guitar on is that right um
0: um there's another earlier track with guitar but not in the same way as uh, it's played on this one yeah uh seven orqueda orquedia orchid uh, solo yeah, piano intro orchid. that sounds kind of classical and then it adds some real dissonance uh, to wake you out of the prettiness. Uh, the horns and percussions slam in and then it's off to kind of a cha-cha type groove. Yeah. Uh, there's an endearing muted trombone solo with a nice sax counterline that works with it. Uh, an interesting piano solo of rhythmic fun and little dissonances. Uh, and then uh, this kind of low Horn stab intermissions that come back uh, at the end before the trombone picks up the melody again.
1: Baritone sax that had me wishing this was in like more modern sound. Yeah,
0: yeah, mm. so you could hear
1: that fatness to it. Uh, mm.
0: Eight uh, interlude number two. It's another short interlude uh, with strings, uh, flute, and percussion on this one. It's over just as uh, you get used to it. Uh, track nine, Yere con mirumba. I guess, arrive with my Roomba. Uh, Hmm. uh, Starts with a dissonant horn hit and then energetic congas, uh, get it going. Uh, Vocal here is for two voices together. Uh, It sounds like they're doubled up. Uh, They're great horn lines uh, behind and between. Uh, the vocal lines that keeps the energy flowing along with the percussion. At about a minute and a half, there's a percussion and sax riff that uh, transitions uh, into some call and response vocals again with the other vocalist, Barrio. And then uh, there's cool horn interludes uh, and uh, percussion uh, dropouts uh, for effect in there. Then at a little past three and a half minutes, there's kind of a stop and reset to a call and response vocals and chanting over the conga and then the congas take it uh, for a fade out and uh, then i thought the most kind of charming tune the title track the uh 16 reos uh, track 10 it's an old style uh you know trumpet sound maybe something out of the 40s in the intro uh you get a kind of cha-cha feel uh and uh you got an additional vo- uh, vocalist. I don't know how you say his name. Chalmara Valdez. Uh, and he's got yes. kind of uh, falsetto, tenor kind of uh, voice. And this is a great melody. It's got these uh, soulful kind of twists and uh, rich harmonies uh, and nice vocal interplay uh, among uh, the singers. Uh, after the horns, have some fun uh, with this arrangement of... Uh, kind of descending sax and trombones topped with uh, you know, blaring trumpets. There's kind of a quiet reset with bass, conga, chiming piano chords. They uh, get some quiet horn lines with a muted trumpet uh, until the end. This is a really fun and well-crafted tune. Uh, it's very enjoyable. it take you through some different moods uh, while making you want to dance. Um, so I think... Yeah, overall it's a an energetic and fun recording. It's filled with uh all kinds of passionate rhythms, uh very intense vocals, uh, you know, that come in this uh, Cuban style. Uh lots of surprises. Uh it's rough around the edges. Uh you know, yeah. <laughs> with that. that that's sound. A, that's
1: an endearing quality though. I yeah, like it a lot. It's rough Exciting and ready. too. Yeah. Uh,
0: and it keeps the excitement uh there. As I said, you may like or may not like this kind of uh, uh, production value of the sound, but the music is fabulous, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's got this really—watch uh, one of their videos on YouTube, you'll see what I mean. Uh, rather than going for the polished effect, they're just capturing that raw essence of the music, which is a lot of fun.
1: All right, this would be a great band to hear live and even go dancing to. I'm sure there's a lot of dancing mm. in their uh, live performances. Yeah. Um, yeah I, th- high energy all the way through. Um, I like, yeah, I thought this was, it was really good. I just would have liked it if it was in more modern sound. I think yeah. they should do that on the next album because it'll be like yeah. stepping back into that time. And this is their second second album. Yeah, I, I heard the first say. one yeah. as well. Right. Yeah. So it's a little
0: different they, character.
1: They had some but... of the uh, Buena Vista Social Club guys on right. that one. I think it was Compay Segundo was on yeah. that. Um, yeah.
0: Anyway, really good uh cuban music now to finish up uh everything on this is kind of a contrast because now this album is a very polished production right uh extremely and because that's the hallmark of uh one of uh america uh united states uh new york yeah uh latin uh New York style. Yeah, New York style. We have style in New York. Music. uh, The great Oscar Hernandez uh, and his uh, group uh, Alma Libre. And uh, this is their new release on his own record label, uh, Ovation Records. uh, And it's called Vision or Vision. Spanish would be a vision or something. I don't know. Right, right. Vision. Anyway, um, (laughs) this one is... uh, left me in a little bit of a a problem because uh, this is well it's out okay Uh, it was released on january 22nd um, but you won't find it on streaming anywhere Um, Hmm. you'll have to go to his uh, ovation records site um, and you can you can purchase, and there's not enough information here, okay? So if you, mm. it says purchase the digital version or buy the CD, and the digital downloads are free with that. So the digital version is nine ninety nine, but it's only MP3s. It's not, you know, um, uh, FLAC files CD quality. Uh, um, that's not but, good. <laughs> no, it's not good.
1: Well, the, I guess the CD would be CD quality, though. Yeah. So well, if you order the know. CD... Um, you, which
0: I did, you can get access to the MP3s and you can listen to it until your CD arrives. So uh, who is Hernandez? Well, his career goes back to the 70s uh, with recording with uh, you know some of the great salsa legends, uh, Ismael Miranda, Celia Cruz, uh, uh, Ray Barreto, and others. And then he went on to join Ruben Blade's uh, Uh, band, and uh, eventually became his musical director. And uh, from there, uh, you know, becoming a kind of legend in this music, he became a musical director for uh, Paul Simon, and later uh, Gloria Estefan. And, uh, you know, so he's uh, uh, not only a great musician, but, uh, you know, producer and director of music. And then with this group, uh, Alma Libre. They made their first record in 2016, uh, and then another one in 2019. And he's been, um, uh, he's got a couple Grammy Awards too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, um, yeah, and he's also uh, now well known for uh, his uh, Spanish Harlem Orchestra which is a 13-piece kind of salsa big band uh, that's won three Grammys uh, with that. So, uh, you know, it's one of the biggest stars of uh, Latin music in the U.S. And so here, uh, the other problem with not having enough information on the website and not having the CD notes is with the personnel. Um, So we've got uh, Oscar Hernandez on piano. Uh, On the YouTube videos, the credit is given... Uh, to, I guess, a regular member of his group, uh, Gilbert Castellanos on trumpet, but the other information says it's Aaron Janik as a trumpet uh, guest. And there's not two trumpets on any of the songs, so I don't know who the trumpeter actually is uh, unless I saw the uh, CD notes. Uh, Justo Almario, tenor sax, Jimmy Branley on drums, Oscar uh, Cartaya on bass uh christian moraga on congas and we've got a couple other guests uh joe Locke on vibes and uh, Luisito quintero on timbales um, so the um uh, recordings start out with the title track vision and um this one uh i think setting this style of uh, music uh, the bass is so important uh for the feel, yeah. and uh, this bass player, cartaria his, his bass playing is uh, really great, uh, great rhythmic drive. It's electric uh, bass, and uh, so he gives a great uh, drive to this first tune. Uh, it's got a really nice horn arrangement, uh, mixing slinking lines with exciting hits, uh, and Hernandez gets the first uh, solo here on piano. Um, you'll get a feel, he's not a show-off player, he doesn't show off his technique. He works uh, more with uh, seeing what he can uh, sort of accomplish with uh, rhythmic ideas over the percussion's tempo that's going on and interlocking things. Uh, that's mainly his approach on this album, but everything he does is really tasty. Uh, then Al Mario gets a tenor sax solo on this one. Uh, there's a trumpet solo. As I said, I'm not sure if it's... Uh, uh, or uh, Castellanos, uh, because the credits are not clear uh, from online information. Uh, nice cool rhythmic patterns in the trumpet. Uh, this tune and many of the others follow most of the solos with kind of a vamp section to feature the percussion, which we get uh, congas and sometimes, uh, like on this tune, uh, timbales in there for a little extra kind of a metallic uh, sound in there. Well, along with uh, the drum set, and uh, that gets topped off with uh, cool horn lines over that. Uh, track two, uh, Ritmo party. uh this one uh, kicks right off with really complex cross rhythms between the rhythm and the uh, b- piano and the bass that are uh, working against these jabbing horn lines. And like everything on this album, everything is super tight. <laughs> this is like really tight and everything's clear in the recording. Uh, the main tune settles into a groove uh, that's punctuated by sharp conga hits. It features uh, extended horn section melody. Uh, And the trumpet solo is up first, this time gets up into the upper register, adding in some agility with 16th note lines. Uh, Hernandez up next on piano. Again, he sounds really relaxed staying in the middle of the piano, but uh, he gets a lot of cool uh, rhythmic uh, ideas uh, interplaying with the rest of the rhythm section. Uh, Another vamp section to show off some more uh, timbales. Uh, and the horns stack kind of counter rhythm lines over th- those uh, rhythm section uh, patterns, and they keep the intensity going to the uh, end. Uh, the uh, third tune, Doña Provi, this is uh, a dedication to Hernandez's mother, I read. Uh, it's a very pretty rubato introduction. It changes into a relaxed Cuban, I guess this would be a danzon uh, rhythm, And uh, Almario switches over to flute and takes the melody here. Uh, Midway through, there's a quick break, and then it gets uh, more rhythmic with uh, piano and percussion. And the flute carries on with uh, melodic and rhythmic uh, coolness on top of the changing rhythms. Uh, Hernandez's solo on this one is very uh, filled with complex rhythmic and fun ideas. And then the flute comes back uh, when it settles down to the sweet melody and acute ending. Uh, so nice dedication uh, tune for his mother. Uh, four is uh, Chick Forever, uh, which is a tribute to uh, Chick Corea. Uh, this one uh, really relies on Cortaya's bass, which drives the rhythm uh, in a perfect sync with the drum accents. The horn lines are cool, and uh, the end of the melody features complex and cool accented figures. Almario gets a smooth uh, tenor sax solo on this one, and then Hernandez uh, has more, a little more running uh, fleet figures in his solo than we've heard so far, and uh, Cartaya gets a bass uh, solo uh, with really nimble uh, lines uh, on this one as well, and then there's an, a little percussion feature before a repeat of the melody on this one as well. Track five is called Make the Move. This one starts with kind of cycling piano chords that lead uh, to a horn line with repeated uh, descending figure and then ending in this kind of cool triplet pattern uh, that's synced up with the bass. Uh, Hernandez takes a piano solo here which is a little more spacey and adventurous because this tune features some uh, more modern kind of jazz harmonies. Um, Almario. Switches over to soprano sax on this one uh, for a solo. It's a trumpet solo here as well. And then uh, percussion section with a conga and cowbell. Got to get some cowbell in there. Uh, So that adds to it And before the melody repeats. And it ends up on that cool triplet line that builds tension to the end. So uh, this is a little more modern, jazzy influence tune. Track six, uh, Tributo al Son. Uh, this one has kind of a hypnotic bass interval, uh, bass line to it, uh, and uh, percussion there too, and it's a flute feature for Armadio. I believe they must have he must have done uh, overdubbing here because there's two flute parts. Uh, hmm. It's harmonized, uh, and so that really works through uh, the main theme of the tune. Hernandez's uh, piano solo toys uh, with the rhythm beautifully it's like he stretches out the rhythms but still stays uh you know into the groove uh has some nice punchy chordal figures uh omario takes a uh flute solo as well it's a really fun fluttering kind of uh dancing flute sound the rhythm under the flute's really infectious uh, this is a really cool latin groove to it uh, and they finish up repeating the melody and the flute doubles up again. It's a nice effect. Track seven, Don't Stop Now. This one is uh, kind of a unique arrangement. So the soprano sax and bass both take the melody. And so they're doubled up Mm. on that uh, to a cool effect, over these kind of spacey piano chords by Hernandez. So with the weight of the bass under the soprano sax, it's a it's a, it's a very big gap in the register of those instruments. Uh, and then it switches up. The sax takes the melody, when the bass gets back to adding a rhythmic bass line. Uh, and the sax has some cool trills, but there are spots at the end of phrases where the bass joins up and they're synced again. So you get this kind of Separation and rejoining effect. that's cool. Uh, Hernandez has a solo here uh, that ends with uh, figures o- over holds by the band that kind of s- sets up this like stop of the motion, which is kind of interesting. Uh that, that also happens in Omario's uh, soprano solo as well. Uh,
1: and so knows, a- this this pianist likes to play like sort of across the groove. He does this on a few tracks. Yeah. yeah, I noticed it's like his sort of style. Like if they're playing three, he'll be playing four. Dissecting and
0: working through the rhythms. It's all about rhythm with him.
1: Um, Right.
0: Which, I mean, that's the, the real interesting thing of, you know, this kind of Latin music is the complexity of the rhythms. And he's always thinking rhythmically. Um, There's another percussion feature vamp on this one, which continues into kind of interchanges with the sax, and then uh, the bass double line thing comes up again. Uh, Track eight is called Spring. This is a breezy melody, and this is cool. Uh, Joe Luck comes on with vibes, and the vibes are paired up with Al Mario on flute. A real pleasant surprise, too. And there's a flugelhorn mixed in here, too. So you get this huge, thick sound of multi you know uh timbres on the melody mm. uh it's really nice and uh that goes into a vibe solo by Locke uh he's really relaxed with this groove he floats you know this kind of floating mallet work uh it's really pretty uh fits in here and underneath it I'll through this whole album but you hear it and focus it on spot. its spots This Cartagena it's kind of dancing bass it's just Man. you know adding this great kind of uh, pulse of, of rhythm to it uh, Hernandez is next on piano and then there's a also a very fluid uh, flugel horn solo uh, and when they come back to the, repeat the melody the flugel uh, which really blends in I didn't hear it in the first section of the melody the first time i heard this song but he gets some nice solo flurries at the end so you realize ah the flugel's mixed in there as well Hmm. track nine is called so believe it uh this one starts with aggressive descending uh unison melody lines on the bass and flute again together playing against the uh the band uh there's a lot of tricky rhythmic play in the lines uh hernandez comes up for a solo here that kind of ends in a sort of uncharacteristic uh, upward f- kind of flourishing run he shows off a little bit and it comes up Almario uh, is next uh, on an intense flute solo uh, this is yeah. a really good flute solo lots yeah, of fast I, flurries
1: I highlighted this one as well yeah. it's got this uh, arabesque sort of climbing yeah. like, motion and then it gently descends like a leaf kind of in yeah, the wind I thought breathy you know? and cool yeah.
0: um Things break down uh, in this one for some percussion and conga fun again, and then the flute and brass come back on top until the melody returns. Uh, so, this is
1: the, I think the flute highlight uh, on here is really nice. Yeah, I'd say sometimes you just get those uh, moments when yeah. people really shine, and this is yeah. it for the flute. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was looking for those on a jazz record.
0: And uh, then the last track, uh, Virtually Here. Uh, this one's kind of cool. Uh, There's. Uh, a little different unique feel here. I think it's down due to the bass uh, pattern, which is this kind of offset three note bass pattern uh, that forms the you know the sort of core of the the rhythmic idea and then the melody is on top of that and then it, it's Almerio back on uh, tenor sax and uh, the rhythm section changes up uh, or the rhythm rather changes on the middle section of the melody, uh, a little bit from that bass pattern, but then it goes back to it. Uh, then there's a rhythmic, uh, break, uh, Hernández has a piano solo. Again here, he focuses on, uh, the interesting rhythmic ideas rather than flashy technical playing. Uh, Almario is really passionate here. Uh, his tenor sounds like really fat and, uh, and uh, thick uh, before they go back and repeat that uh, you know initial melody section but this one as I said the the bass feel with the rhythm is kind of unique compared to the other tunes which sets it apart so yeah a really nice album it's passionate rhythmic uh, incredibly precise yeah um, modern Latin Cuban music uh, the production quality is top notch I'm stuck listening to these MP3s um, we you know but they sound really good. I you want to get the, the CD? Full, I want to hear the full CD quality when it arrives. You want to do that, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, you ordered it already. Yeah, okay. I ordered it. Um, and okay. so I got access to these um, uh, MP3s cool. in the meantime. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, obviously, Hernandez has got this uh, huge music career. He doesn't need to show off his uh, technique, but I really like how he kind of dissects uh the rhythmic ideas in his piano playing and uh this is a great uh group uh the the bass playing is outstanding and then the percussion yeah. sets a great groove and all the all the players sound really inspired and happy yeah. there's some you know, great soloing really throughout yeah know, the, the soloing is great and how could you not want to play your best over those kind of grooves right uh, to that you know so this is uh yeah um, you know latin music in new york uh, with some great players and a master at the seat. And uh, so, you so check wait, this out.
1: There's no way to hear this for free. You ha- you absolutely no. have to buy it. Yeah, you have you to buy the buy
0: MP3 it. too. Yeah. Um, I imagine it'll come out on, um, you know, the, the previous two recordings are available. Right. And it says that, you know, this was going to become uh, available. I just think it might be uh, a, um, you know, a gap in... Uh, sort of release or something, you know, with the streaming services like that. So, so anyway, you should definitely buy this album. Uh, yeah. Buy this uh, album. Do that. It's going to make a dance. It's going to make a dance. Especially after there.
1: these last two years, they need your, uh, support. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've got,
0: uh, you know, this one is, uh, I don't want to say it's smooth. No, it's just super tight and we've got, uh, rough and ready. And then we've got, uh, Slinky, and it feels good, yeah. slinky and seductive, with uh, um, Andrea Motis right from Spain, and right. uh, yeah. So they all uh, flew in from Spain uh, with these musical ideas that made themselves
1: incorporated into music cultures around the world. So, so I'd say that on these albums, the Spanish flew, yeah. No, that's not right. The Spanish flu. That's have I probably flown. shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, don't say that. I, yeah. I meant it as the past tense of fly, yes. but I could also mean the uh, the 1919 Spanish flu, which I didn't mm. really want to reference. But uh, yeah. there I am for all time now. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't think it. we should call our podcast The Spanish Flu, should we? I, I don't think people would mm.
0: <laughs> like that. Probably not. It's 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 uh, funny how one vowel can kind of transform everything
1: there. Huh? Yes, English is funny like that. So is really every language. Every though, language, so. yeah. Yeah, it's uh, part of the pleasure of being alive, isn't it? Yeah, especially some of those languages that don't have many vowels. You know. Um, yeah, I wonder like, if we ever like learn to like you know, you know, transport our thoughts like telepathically. If the same thing will happen, there'll be like sound-alike uh, telepathic uh, signals that you'll just kind of confuse or something like that. And, oh.
0: Yeah. Sounds too complex of
1: an idea. Yeah. Worth a short yeah. story. Anyway, <laughs> we'll have to look into it.
0: That's right. right so, anyway, At least imagine, been...
1: imaginatively. Yeah. Woo. Get a lot of ideas on this podcast, God. listeners.
0: It's a whole idea for another kind of podcast episode. Right.
1: Well, a, whole kind, a different kind of podcast, really. Yeah. I guess, beyond our musical realm
0: Well, this has been episode 49 a special Spanish themed episode for Adult Music the podcast with music for the mature mind and uh, once again we'd like to remind you to uh, please uh, like, subscribe, follow us uh, on whatever platform, take a moment, give us a rating, write a review if you want to contact us directly you can get us at adult music podcast all one word at gmail.com we're also on Facebook now you'll find our
1: page uh, yeah we page gotta work on the page a little bit more I should have a look at it and see what's to yeah, if what we can add do. something
0: to it uh, but yeah. the episodes are there you can also comment or contact us through there and well we're coming up to a milestone uh, next week we're gonna be at episode 50 which is also our one year anniversary and we should go over 6,000 downloads uh, if we keep on the pace we're at. So there'll be a lot to celebrate. So next week we're going to do a a live face to face celebration podcast on the same day we did the first episode last year.
1: Is that right? Friday? Is that right? Yeah. uh, (laughs) Look over here. It is. Yeah. It's going to be the same recording day. Yeah. February 11th, our first anniversary of recording. Uh, the, The podcast actually went up on the 15th, I think, right? Yeah, a Probably little bit later. But we'll yeah, get I have this the one dates up. written down. I kinda...
0: We'll get this one up on Monday as usual. But face to face, what do you say? Steaks?
1: Have you Is had that steak gonna in be? A while? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Would it be awful to have steaks? I don't know. It's never awful. I never yeah. eat steaks, so that's always a good time. Right. Well, <laughs> we'll have some steaks and some, on
0: my own. And some wine and uh, celebrate one year of adult music. Yeah, we should get champagne. We could do that too that could be nice I'll look into it yeah I think we'll maybe uh, take a couple of commemorative photos uh, to put yeah, up on the Facebook the anniversary right? so yeah. if you want to see uh, some handsome mugs you'll have to come to the Facebook uh, page right. next week
1: I'm looking right. forward to it me too so, so yeah well, but I have to, we have to listen to these uh, tracks really early this week that's cool like, that's I'll cool. get to work tomorrow yeah. yeah
0: so anyway we'll see you again for a special 50th episode celebration Next Woo. week, and uh, check out. I can't believe uh, it's
1: been fifty episodes. I can't believe it either. How I can't believe that? it's been six episodes this year. That's like
0: coming <laughs> on like three hundred albums. <laughs> albums. That's three hundred albums.
1: It's a lot yeah. of albums, and to think that we listen to much more than that because we're still yeah. listening to other things along with all this stuff. You know, oh, boy, wow. life well spent. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Okay. (laughs) And if you want to listen
0: to uh, what we're going to have in uh, next week's episode, be sure to check out the Deezer playlist, which will go up uh, Monday and give you a head start if you want to listen to the music before uh, you hear us talk about it. Uh, So until then, until next Monday in episode 50, we wish you a good week, and we'll see you again next time.